you know, we talk about big weeks of comics. Mm. We, we joke, we complain, we say, oh man, too much Marvel, why, why you do it? This was a huge week of comics. I but just also like, a great week of, of, of course, uh, that much more opportunity. I mean, there were the slog fests for sure, and we'll get we'll get to that. I don't I don't even I don't even think I finished one of them. Oh my god! I skimmed through it so many times that I like panic read this morning. Like, oh, can I can I read this or fake it till you make it? Welcome to the X Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia, and I'm Justin. bunch of comics for y'all this morning uh well it might not be morning for you but it's morning for us it's the sleepy sunday it's mornings sl- sleepy sunday morning early time and recording coming at you a little later than normal with uh all these comics and all these things going on in our personal lives so yeah. you know we're just we're just keeping up we're it's, doing our best it's, it's the holiday season whoop dee doo yeah, we got a lot going on. So today we are talking about X Men Unlimited number sixty four, Extreme X Men. Oh, I like that extreme number one, Marauders number nine, New Mutants number thirty two, Captain Marvel number forty four, X Force number thirty five, Dark Web number one. X-Men Red number nine and Immortal X-Men number nine. There's like a, a key turn halfway through. It's like, oh, yeah, here comes the heat. <laughs> Not to say anything bad about the others in the first half, but, you know. They're the others. They're the others. This is organized in a way that tells you where our mind is. <laughs> but first. The news. The news. <laughs> It is the 60th anniversary of X-Men next year. Did you know? Wow. What are we going to do? Wow. Well, you know what Hasbro's going to do? They're going to use it as a reason to make some fancy boxes and sell us some really nice stuff. Oh. And some of that really nice expensive stuff went up on pre-order. Expensive stuff? Yeah. Went up this week and they had reveals of it officially confirming some things that had been previously leaked. Oh, let me ask you a question. Did you pre-order everything for yourself or did you maybe want to have any of those be options for your wife to get you for Christmas? You want to give me a pre-order for Christmas? Get out of here. <laughs> These are things coming out next year. <laughs> I gave you a list of things that I purposely did not buy for myself yes. that would be Christmas present applicable. You right, you right. I already bought them. <laughs> But the 60th anniversary comes with two three-packs that have now been fully revealed of the X-Men in their training uniforms. Oh, shoot. Justin feverishly looking through a pile of comics next to us. Well, it's because because I (laughs) was going through this pile and didn't realize that I had Uncanny X-Men number 275 out and there, which are the training suits. Wow. Right? So this is the cover that they are recreating. You're getting a Wolverine and a single retro card, and then two three packs of all the other members. Wait, and we're the, getting another Wolverine. Of course. Oh, <laughs> uh, one one is sleeping. Yeah, he attacked me when we sat, when I sat down. Well, you know, he literally jumped off the shelf at me. So it's a it's a I can't remember which ones in which three pack, but it's Forge, Psylocke, and Storm, and then Jubilee, Banshee, and Gambit. Those are the six that you're getting in these new training suit outfits okay plus wolverine plus wolverine because you need you need it 
You need you gotta it. Have it. What are you gonna not have a training suit, Wolverine? You got all these other Wolverines. There was a reveal of a fang, which you know comes with a Wolverine head or Obviously. an Akiro head at least, because that would be actually really cool. That would be really cool. Come on, remember, Hasbro, make sure you're doing that. I can't remember who suggested that. Someone in the comments, and I apologize, but that was a really good idea because it doubles down on the fact that they're still talking Krakoa. Mm. Because in that wave is also Quentin Quire in his X-Force uniform, like his current X-Force uniform. Uh-oh. Quentin Quire, we don't even know where he is. Who even is that guy? I imagine he's coming back for a big reason or a big story, and Hasbro's keyed in on that. Oh, they know. In the same way, we got Vulcan and Darwin last wave in their original first appearances, oh, right. and now look and at now how look at relevant they are. I think that there's something going on, and I'm paying more sneaky attention. Sneaky hints. Sneaky hints. But I'm appreciative of the fact that I now have Vulcan to put in my weekly, hey, these are the guys. These are the guys we're talking about on the table. I don't know if we talk about that, but... We do this. Justin puts figures up. He's like, hey. These are these, these are, are relevant the characters. Characters that are involved today. And I've started taking a photo and putting it on our Instagram story when I we almost, record. I was going to post it, but then I wasn't sure. You can do both, you know. There's also going to be a blob, a deluxe blob figure. I don't have a blob, so I'm very excited about that. Wow, deluxe blob. The only blob you have is X-Men old, Evolution. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's like bouncy or like yeah, squishy or something. Yeah, he's got a little pouch of bouncy. <laughs> and last but not least, in the reveal was Outback Rogue. Oh. Yeah. Exciting. That was really cool. And then there was a tease of this wave. I I didn't tell you who else was in the wave. So Mm. Quentin Quire, right? Mm -hmm. Emma Frost in her Astonishing X-Men look. (gasps) Yes, I saw that. Cyclops in his Astonishing X-Men look. Mm -mm. Monet in her Mm. Gen X look. Yes. Chamber in a little bit more of a grunge black leather look. You know, classic chamber. Classic chamber. Fang, who I mentioned, Mm -hmm. who is from the Shi'ar Imperial Guard. Corsair. Oh, yes. Cyclops' dad in his always classic uniform. He only gets one. The Corsair original look. So I remember now seeing this and being like, I don't understand how these go together. And you were like, the waves don't really always go together. Yeah, they they work on a couple of things at a time, right? They're all X-Men related. So that means they can all be in one X-Men wave. Amazing. And the Build-A-Figure is presumed to be Chod. Oh man! Practice saying that in a <laughs> correct it way, in a non-chode way. Unco- okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, anyway, we're segueing to Sins of Sinister. Oh yes! Oh my God! It's Sins of Sinister. So much has come out about Sins of Sinister. Oh. So there's first just just a tease: the part two reveal of the covers, which has Rasputin oh my on God. one Rasputin. versus so a bunch of Mystiques. It has a Colossus Nightcrawler holding a Thor with another Nightcrawler hand holding Mjolnir. Oh, my God. And Storm in her, like, old lady Storm, welcome to my brotherhood look. So this is a hundred years in the future. So amazing. Issue two of everything, a hundred years in the future. Issue one, ten years in the future. Issue three, a thousand years in the future. And we got that breakdown Details of it in an interview with Kieran Gillen on comicbook.com. It was really interesting. Came with a bunch of preview pages and a trailer that dropped the next couple days. 
Literally, and, Justin showed me that trailer, and I felt like my eyeballs were bulging out of my face. Just I was trying to see so hard. Blonde China said I was I was screenshotting everything, trying to figure out who the, <laughs> the chimeras different chimeras were. were. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I loved it. It was it got me so much more hyped. I brought it into premiere and watched it slow motion. Oh my god! Of course <laughs> you did. That's incredible. I was going to talk about Marvel Snap, but I'm not playing it. I'm just getting a lot of advertising. It won Game of the Year, Mobile Game of oh, the Year. Oh, that's cool. And it just came out relatively recently. Yeah. And there was a really cool animated commercial with a variety of different styles and characters. And now my brother's texting me about it. Oh, wow. It's coming for me. It's coming for you. You'll be playing it soon enough. Come mountain time. Come whenever mountain I, time. Whenever I just decide to download a new game. a new game when we're chilling from snowboarding. Well, I would like to use a portion of the news to just do a quick recap of L.A. Comic Con. Sure, go for it. Um, I mean, I spent a lot of the con just getting to know people, saying hi to people I'd been friends with uh, through the internet for a long time, and, you know, doing the cosplay thing. So I didn't experience too many uh, panels or reveals or anything like that, but... Um, I did participate in the Hellfire Gala Walk, which was incredible. There were so many amazing cosplayers. And shout out to Michelle Waffle and Jordan on Instagram, who is the girl with the great smile, for putting it all together. And for Jake, or minus the snake, for being our MC. And Chris and Julian from LA Comic Con staff for helping with everything. Like, it was honestly one of the coolest experiences of my whole life to just see all of these cosplayers come together and then for the creators to get so excited. Like, yeah. Jerry, um, Jerry came, Jerry Duggan came. He asked me to stop by the table and say, like, hey, remind me. He came, he took pictures, he took a video of us, and he was like, everybody say, hi, Russell. <laughs> and we were like, hi, Russell. Because they were blowing up your comments the other day. Yes. You're like, yeah. oh, are you going? Oh, I'll see you there. Or, oh, no, no, take I'm pictures not. for me. Yeah. And, and uh, Teeny came, and Zeb was there. He wasn't able to come, but he asked to see pictures after the next day and josh was uh josh also didn't come to the actual walk but had some of us come by his table and he took pictures with us so like just to see the creators so excited about us recreating this thing that they've you know drawn or written about or like you know helped to create is so cool you know they were they were really pumped so that made us even more pumped and everyone did such a good job on their looks and um it was just a really really cool experience and just another reason why i love the cosplay community so much you know because everybody's so supportive and so excited about what each other is doing and it was just a really great experience and then justin not this justin not me justin otero he had this panel that he created um, this is now, I think, the second time he's done it, called Asian Representation in Comics and Media. And that was a really great panel. And I know he's shooting to have that at other cons. So it's a really important conversation. So if you're at a con and you see that there's that panel being hosted by Justin Otero or really anybody uh, hosting that kind of a panel, it's really uh, a great thing to experience and to witness. So you should check that out. But overall... LA Comic Con was fantastic. It was a blur and I loved it. I also bought 
a Black Panther lounge fly bag because I have no self-control. Yay. <laughs> oh, well, you didn't hold off on that to give your husband an opportunity to buy for Christmas? I <laughs> sent my husband some little bags. Hey, we and, have a we have um, two polls this week. Mm, Segway yeah. transition cut yeah, off. Yeah, you just didn't want me to finish that story. <laughs> two divisions. Two divisions of the poll. Okay. I, we had seven comics that would have gone to the poll. Right. So I was like, how do I do this? And Double poll. A double poll, right? We can do that. I make the rules. Yeah, your pull. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. We make the rules. That's right. And I, just, I make them unilaterally without consulting you. Yeah, you make them on Instagram most of the time. That's so fine. then they can surprise you. Yes. I also made a highlight of all the other polls mm. that I could find at least. So you can go and you can see because the stats are still there. And I thought that was really interesting. That is awesome. Shout out to Curls for giving me that inspiration of like she had asked a couple weeks ago, has Red ever lost right. in, a, in a poll? That's a yeah, get it, Curls. And the you. question is relevant to today because Ooh. our Division One poll is Immortal X-Men, X-Men Red and Dark Web. Oh, God. Who won and what are the numbers? Oh, God. Oh no, I, I don't know. I mean, I. Okay. I'll tell you, it's it's a clear winner. It's a clear winner. X Men Red, Immortal Im- X Men. <laughs> <laughs> you want to throw in Dark Web too, just to cover all your bases? Or? <laughs> no, it was more the like the sigh of your body language that made me want to switch. Yeah. I posted it this Wednesday when I posted the lineup of books that I think this may be the first the time. time that Immortal takes red, and it did 67%. Oh, you didn't let me guess numbers. I was going to say, okay, let me just say this. I think that, and then I want to say like red was like what's left of 67%. That means there's like 33% left. Mm-hmm. So let's say 20% red, 13%. Dark web. 67% for Immortal X-Men, 22% for X-Men Red, 11% for Dark Web. Yo, that was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I, I Sorry, I blurted out the two-thirds <laughs> on Immortal. But our Division 2, mm. X-Force, Captain Marvel, oh. New Mutants, and Marauders. X-Force wins. X-Force wins. Bye. Mm. 49%. 44. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel not too far off on second with 26%, New Mutants at 19 and Marauders at 11. You know, good for you, 11%, that Marauders is your jam. Yeah, um, good for you. <laughs> I'm glad somebody is feeling that it deserves the vote of the top spot. Now we at have least to... there's people out there that it's for. Yeah, because I don't know if it's for me. Well, if you're going to keep killing my favorite character, we're going to have problems. <laughs> <laughs> Not trying to do anything with them. <laughs> but I think that they are coming back because of a hint in a data page that I just read this morning. Oh, All right. excellent. Now, are we getting into X-Men Unlimited? Yeah, let's talk about X-Men Unlimited number 64. Let's talk about just the fact that we're going to go a little bit higher level on a number of a these handful. comics. As we get through, just because we need to, right? It's like time is of the essence, we, people. We took our sweet, sweet time in the news like we like to. Yeah. But X-Men we, Unlimited, number 64. I feel like X-Men Unlimited is just like the... It's like the after the holidays potluck that you have where you just like throwing in all the things. Ah. Because we got Age of Apocalypse. We got 
Magneto being DH to a baby. Do you know how excited I was to see Alpha, the ultimate <laughs> mutant? I have read that issue of Defenders so many times for trials on Grey Malkin Lane. Oh, yeah, you have. So many times. So many times. And to times. see that deliver on a continuity point in X-Men Unlimited, I'm like, I, I have trained for this. I, I've been waiting for this moment. And then, you know, we're, we're also shouting out to... Krakoa, and it seems like we're also getting like a nod to Sins of Sinister in here. Right, the, because, I mean, Sinister is in some modicum of power and is letting his machinations run free as he appeals to Apocalypse with the information he has garnered from Xavier's mind. Basically, both teams have looked into Xavier's mind and seen the, the future of that alternate universe that is Krakoa. Seen the potential that is what can Krakoa do. And... You know, the X-Men team, which has Moira in Magneto's suit, yeah. is their goal is to gather the mutants that are needed to create the five so that they can recreate Krakoa without Apocalypse and Sinister recreating Krakoa. And of course, the other side wants to do the same. The other side happens to have more of the mutants that they need but on their, you know... In their grasp. But the caveat that Sinister points out to Apocalypse, they're coming to us for the remaining mutants. So they're mm-hmm. bringing yeah, what they're we bringing need us what we need to our doorstep. So let's get it and maybe I could just have a universe or two where that, I oh, could just man. fill them with versions of myself. It, and it was specifically the A World or 10. Or 10. The, the 10 was like, okay, Sinister, you know you saw Dominions. You right. saw... And, and to... First off, the the conversation that they're having, Sinister and Apocalypse, this idea that, oh yeah, multiverse theories, they're right. Yep. I don't know why they're doing it, Resurrection, but they're not doing it right. They're only making one copy. Right. You could make as many copies as you want. As, right. as we then see in one of the teaser images for Sins of Sinister as he's like surrounded by four Cyclopses. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, that's why Let's I was go. like, wait a minute. Like The X-Men Unlimited comics, I feel like are becoming more and more important to the overall story. Like, is this a is this what Sins of Sinister is? No. This is like a... This, this is definitely not that, but I feel like it is thematically resonant with it that. It is still the buffet of that leftovers. Right, right. It it's is like, hey, Sinister does crazy things everywhere. All Wherever the there's Sinister, he's doing crazy things. That article was really interesting to just... The conversations about the four suits and the big mm. questions of like, what is Sins of Sinister? Is it an alternate timeline? Not really. Mm. And I just want to take right, a, a, a point of that. Of what happens in Immortal, yeah. Right. It's not an alternate timeline in the sense that it's happening independently over here. It is a potential future that is followed because of the Moira right. ability. It's sort of like... You make the, these a life of Moira in right. essence. Right? It's it's a choose your own adventure that went too far into Sinister's hand. My God, imagine how crazy that could be if there was a choose your own adventure comic. There should be. But that, that's a lot of writing and a lot, lot of writing and, and a lot of art. Who's gonna choose which pathway, right? So how many of each do you make? You make a a ten lives graphic novel. Could be a um a digital thing. Yep. So you don't have to print it. Marvel, I know you have little spies listening. Tell us. I mean, I hope in my dreams that you do. 
So take our idea and run with it. <laughs> a World Without X, Part 3. Written by Jordan Blum. Art by Salva Espin. Colors by Israel Silva. Letters, Joe Sabino. This Joe Sabino. Were you excited to see Extreme X-Men? Oh my god. Extreme X-Men was so validating for me. Because I... Well, one, I was like, well, this is cool. And I, I'm really enjoying these sort of throwback stories because it's making me feel connected to the comics that I didn't read in a right. new way, right? It's sort of like, okay, I'm getting into that world without having all the reading. Well, it gives you an anchor point into another time, right? Yes. It's It's similar to, I was talking about this with Chris at the comic shop, I made... A, an attempt to get a general sense of the Marvel Universe mm -hmm. through events. Like right. trying to get a big picture. All right, this is what happens across the 80 or so years that are Marvel Comics at various times. Mm -hmm. It's like, but but why? But why? Like, because well, I'm Justin. I was bored on a Saturday while Alicia was doing something and I just kept on going. But the real once I payoff. started reading this, mm. so Kitty Pride and Wolverine, the mini... I had read a while ago in it was one of those things where Justin like put it out and he was like, read this. We might do something with it. But you we, know, had, we, we have so many things that we do. It just didn't happen. We were going to this was last year, almost almost a year ago in preparation for the 10 lives and 10 deaths, X deaths of Wolverine. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what if we also visited Wolverine's greatest hits and then it was just like, that's ah, too much Wolverine. People really want to see that much Wolverine. Yeah. But so. But you loved I, the miniseries. I loved the miniseries. And now it's relevant. Now it's so, it's, it's like so important. It's the basis of this story. It's the jumping off for what Extreme X-Men is. And I was like, yes, I read this. I know what they're referencing. I know what happened. I'm so excited. Yeah. So let's give this Extreme X-Men sort of like a mini page turn noise because we're going high level high level oh <laughs> just a mini and i'll tell you as we see kate kitty as she's kitty. called now she's kitty now we also get our credits written by chris claremont art by salvador la Roca, the original team of extreme x-men colors by guru efx letters clayton coles bc is clayton coles who did that cover i'm assuming that it's the interior art team Ah. Because it has that same Salvador Laraca look, mm -hmm. which I really love. I love it. His art, and especially Extreme X Men, that was one of the things that really popped for me. Yeah. But we we have a a mental attack from Ogun, who has apparently been living in Kitty's subconscious in the back of her mind this who, whole time. Who thought was to be killed years ago back in that miniseries, but now she's here. And then from there, we get like a, hey, Rachel Summers is here. She heard you crying and or freaking out in your dreams, but she's here because your friends, you're your in BFFs, Chicago in a miniseries that I had started to read, mm -hmm. which actually I think you would enjoy as well. Kitty's going to college. Uh oh, she's working at a bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is her grunge phase. I think you would totally dig mm -hmm. this. Let's go. But it's not just Rachel Summers. It's Storm and everybody else plus Wolverine. Because you got to have a Wolverine. You got to have a Wolverine. Shout out to this detail about the fact that Chris Claremont is just making his own like pocket continuity stream. Right. Like 
of Aurora now being referenced as Ro, which she always was, right. but the tattoo, but yes, right? She's got the from Gambit, got the mohawk and the little lightning bolt. Yeah, I saw. I was like, "Ooh, exciting!" Is there something to be drawn from that? I don't know. The fact that Gambit is also here, very interesting. Yes. Claremont's like, "All right, fine. You won't let me play here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play, play over there here in the past." Basically, the team is together because Wolverine is like, yo, I know what's going on and we need to take this guy down. He does give us a nice little recap of the Kitty Pride and Wolverine story. And I like that uh, Kitty is like, I don't need to listen to this. I already know the story. Like everyone's tapped in mentally and she's just like, no, I'm been there. I don't need to relive this moment of my life where I was basically kidnapped and brainwashed to become a ninja assassin. assassin Cool detail. But, you know, I need to get out and get a new look. Thanks, Lila Cheney. Thanks, girl pals. Lila Cheney's here, too. It was like they all just like bopped right from the last book over. Right. They're like, whoop, here we go. Gambit's over, but... Claremont's making his own... Extreme X-Men is happening. Yeah. Just give him someone that can traverse the time stream, and you're going to get something even crazier. Yeah. So basically, the team needs to... Split up and... Take down this this evil. This evil of Ogun, but also this purity side story that's developing Mm -hmm. that's probably going to play out. So this anti-mutant group that's going to potentially evolve into something more, and... Of course, you have a little Wolverine and Gambit animosity as they're deciding who's the right person to do the thing. And we end with Ogun very much so aware of everything that's happening and who's coming after him. He knows what's up and he's ready for them. Big picture. I really enjoyed this. I think, one, I, I like the team. I am into getting these other side stories i was really excited to see how it felt like it was connected to gambit or like that there was a thread that tied it to the gambit series and i felt so excited when i realized that it was stemming from the kitty pride and wolverine series like i just felt not lost right you know like i'm i'm finally feeling like i'm in it i know what's up right obviously there are still things that are confusing to me or that i have questions about but well i mean it also there's a handful of influences here where it's coming from extreme Mm x-men it's coming from the gambit miniseries it's coming from kitty pride and wolverine and they're all converging into this miniseries. I think you would enjoy extreme x-men just because the art is very similar to this Mm -hmm. and the team at least at the start isn't isn't exactly like this but it grows over the run and the things that they deal with at the beginning are the books of destiny the diaries of destiny which is a very relevant point to where we are now in Krakoa interesting yeah this was this was great classic throwback I enjoyed extreme x-men when it was coming out so happy to see it again we didn't have any questions on this, and I didn't really have any questions either. This is popcorn. You know, it's popcorn. It's candy. We did have a question from Fabio just in general. Why so many books this week and so few last week? Why does Marvel do this to us? Why? I feel like it's out of their control a little. A little bit, yeah. And and I you got to respect that. There's as much as they can try to do, and especially the editorial team, mm-hmm. to make sure certain things come out at certain times right. that don't spoil right. reveals. 
And I feel like there's a lot that they're leading into with Sins of Sinister, even with contending with what Dark Web is doing. Right. So it's like if one book gets delayed, you might have to delay other books in order because to... Because of a reveal like, that yeah. would then spoil something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a little... But... It's a house of cards. Yeah. It is, it is a lot to take in when there are eight of them. All right. Marauders number nine. Let's talk about that cover first because Peach Momoko, yes, please. Yes, I love seeing Peach Momoko on covers here, and mm-hmm. I just I love the looks of Kate and Bishop as yes. they're being towered over by this sublimed up Fang. Yeah, Akiro. It's really really great. I love Peach's art style. I got to watch her paint a storm. Oh yeah, at New York at Comic-Con. New York Comic Con, and I just I could watch her draw paint all day yeah. because it was just so that she's so quick and yeah. it's just so beautiful and using a lot of negative space and and Mm. how to how to come together with the lines and like never planning it out but just Mm, kind of like like letting it speak to her yeah that's so cool all right we're gonna go high level on marauders mini page turn noise (laughs) the unbreathing they're here they can't breathe oh moving on goodness gracious (laughs) there are more old evil villains being relevant in this story for uh, don't even get me started that that what what i don't know justin what we have I some... just choose to get by when i read this <laughs> we have some questions like uh wait, what and <laughs> can I... you please explain to me what is happening here? no i can't and i don't think they can either I, i'm sure we're gonna find out as we go there is a so essentially there is an overarching villain who is upset about Sublime and the other one and was like, no, I'm supposed to be the one in charge. I came here from the future. So listen, it's a title page. We all live in the Sublime. Where else can we live? Here comes Yesterday, part three, because we got all this time travel nonsense. Written by Steve Orlando, art by Eleonora Carlini, colors Matt Miller, letters in production, Ariana Maher. VCs, Ariana Maher. And like we said, that cover by Peach Momoko. I mean, I do really like the art in this issue. Yes, I like the art in this issue and the battle scene in this issue. Like these next couple pages, I thought it was great. And I feel like that's where Eleonora has always been the most successful is this... chaos this like so much madness going on like i really feel the energy in her art the the especially the backgrounds and the momentum that her art has where it really feels like you're bouncing back and forth between the people who are fighting and and even the colors for those backgrounds that you have such juxtaposition between them so it feels different in various areas yes so basically our team is fighting and sublime the the sublime fang and and all the other sublimes and they're you know they're trying to figure out what what their next step is because essentially so now that a hero is taken over taken over they go into his mind. They go into the dream space, and it's kind of like we're going to turn you to dust. Like you don't, you're going to disappear, and only if we make it back, you'll be resurrected. Because nobody will know that you're dead if we don't. Yeah, because basically. that's kind of what we were talking about. Um, in the last issue, was like 
for the people who have not time traveled, they have no semblance of when or where these people should come back. So right. if they don't make it back and they die, then that's it. And it's not like they're going to resurrect all of them just because just they case. hope, you know? And, right. Uh, time, time travel. Time travel is crazy. So the fight is continuing. And the last thing we see of our dear friend, Captain Kate, is her shoving her arm through the throat of one of these evil controlled yep and then and then we're like no you know what we we need to go amasses seems to be also fighting but then captured i don't know the battle is crazy yeah things get a little out of hand as the fight just continues and they're they're recognizing the fact that we just got here and we're already on defense we're already Mm -hmm. losing what are we going to do? Well, what we're going to do is display a new use of our powers thanks to Aurora <laughs> and just vibrate everything and explode it as we then decide, oh, no, we're going to get out of here. We're going to get out of here and we're going to go to this safe, safe haven space. Helix home, which interesting in this data page that I tried so many times to read. <laughs> but every time I was like, no, nothing relevant. There is something relevant. Oh, Someone with hologram powers gave their life to make this illusion base. Okay. And that's what we talk about in the next page or two is do we really trust this hologram, right? Mm -hmm. This prevents anyone who is infected from coming into the hologram and knowing. But there are some caveats. If someone were to say have teleportation powers or intangibility powers. Mm, Oh. Specific power drop. Some person who might be able to phase. Right. So... Kitty might have, Kate might have a story, just not a positive story. Interesting. She will be there, but not actually be there. Yeah, when I got to that part of like, well, Kate's missing in action. I'm like, again, you got rid of my girl again. Yeah, but we're regrouping. We're questioning if we trust this team, this person, this hidden place as from the shadows we meet. Grove. Yeah, we we meet Grove. Basically, Grove is the one who was left behind when the Thresholders went to the future or decided to leave to see what is to come. And the box is there. And the box is still old. It's not fresh. It's not that old, but yeah. But it's not as old as it is in in the current times. And it seems to be the seed which started their... Conflicts. Yeah. But we're, we're there... We're talking about the history. We're talking about powers. I'm going to be honest. This is where I checked out. <laughs> and I did. I don't know. I just, I'm sorry. But there's a boost fruit. Bishop's got a plan. And he's going to use the last boost fruit to do something. He's like basically saying that he can. Absorb Archaea. Yeah. He can. He can do this with this boost fruit and either it's going to go amazingly well or it's going to backfire, but it's the last boost fruit and it's the last chance they got. And they'll never know if it works unless he tries it. Which means it's going to work. We hope. In our last segment, as we awake with a mass in the unbreathing territory, the mid-water zone. Which seems interesting because the unbreathing is like, mmm, trickery, trickery, and then, oh, snap, the unbreathing is strife? Yeah, I don't... What? what? Okay. And how does the... How does, how does a mass know a who mass that is? A mass know who strife is. 
Which, How much time does Strife travel? All of the time. Which I feel like, you know, obviously this is seeding some more things to unravel. I don't think we need more things That's to unravel. Thing. That's the thing. Is I can't even, I'm still unraveling the first thing. I'm still unraveling like, the Kin Crimson. It's like <laughs> I'm learning to juggle and you're continuously throwing, throwing more things at me. And right. I'm like, I'm going, I've dropped it. I yeah. dropped it all already. I can't, I'm still trying to pick it up. Stop, stop throwing, throwing more stuff at stop me. Stop throwing balls at me. Oi, oi, oi. But anyway, uh, Strife, that, that's Marauders. The Mutant Desecration Front, which I think is a great end label. So the Mutant Liberation Front right. is the name and Tempo is connected to. So I think that that's a cool mm-hmm. narrative connection. I wonder how much she's going to be excited to see Strife. Big picture, Alicia, what did you think about Marauders? I thought that when I started reading it, I felt confident in my handle on the situation and I was enjoying the action. And then as it continued, I read it. I took in what I could take in. It is interesting to see how all of these other entities are weaving into each other. It's just a lot to digest. And it always seems to come in a week where there's so much going on. Right. Where it's hard to be able to really take a step back and process this book because I feel like this book needs to be a solo week, you know. So I was just I can thinking read that. it in a way that like my brain can really process through it and not be like, oh well, I also just read seven other comics, so I'm not really sure what happened here. Right. Yeah, and just the fact that I would have some opportunity to check back to the issue or two mm, before right. or just look into is there any reason why strife would be here because there's not to my knowledge yeah i mean i i like i love a good callback i like good mystery and intrigue and interweaving of things i just think there is also oversaturation of that like it can become too many things for the reader to juggle and so there's there's got to be a balance of that, like, oh, cool Easter eggs, cool tie-ins, but also let me try to gather my brain around this story. Like, there's just a lot happening. Yeah. A.M. Friedrich wants to know, did I miss something? How does a mass know strife? Hmm. We don't know. Yeah, not that's, unsure. That's a big question that will likely be answered in the next issue or two. Michael Fox, just when I couldn't be even more perplexed by Marauders, they throw in strife. <laughs> and I feel like that's the big takeaway at the end of this. It's like, hey, hey, what? Eric Huffman wants to know what is up with Marauders. Once again, Captain Pride disappears from the book. Can they not write for her? I'm sorry, but as much as I love the roster, it's a jumbled mess. Hard to follow. Mm. It hits the nail on the head. I was really excited about this roster. Still am kind of excited about this roster, but... There, there's no character focus. It's, and it's what I've seen throughout every issue. There's cool power focus. Right. There's a lot of new ability focus, but not much character development in terms of things actually coming out that matter about these characters mm-hmm. or, or how they're relating to each other. Yeah. We have this interesting love dynamic between Akira, Aurora, and Somnus that, other than a few offhanded lines, hasn't really been talked about. We have right. the the 
two war captains and someone from the Quiet Council, but we're not talking about the big picture, how this connects to Krakoa. This doesn't really connect to Krakoa. It's on its own. Yeah, it's, it's just doing it's, its own thing. It's gone off in its own little spiral. Yeah. Blonde China and I were complaining about the issue in general and just how we were feeling. Uh, it's such a solid lineup, but the ancient unrelated mutants who... One of their powers is to eat everything, question mark, sidelining Kate again, and now Strife is behind it all? Bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm i really personally disappointed by sidelining Kate. Like, it feels like we got, a, a aside from Bishop, right, like pretty much a whole new team for Marauders, and they don't want Kate actually in the book, so they're just going to keep killing her and getting rid of her so that she right. doesn't have to be part of the story, which as a Kate fan, is really frustrating. Well, and especially in contrast to Duggan's Marauders, which Blanchina and I and you were one of our favorites, but yeah, he says that they should just bring X-Factor back and leave this in the past, and <laughs> which would ultimately create a problem that they're ultimately going to have to solve, right. especially what they're doing now. Mm. <laughs> On to... New Mutants. New Mutants. Number 32. Dope cover. Yeah, it's a great cover. Surrounded... Following up on last issue, this team of new mutants kind of led by Wolf Spain from that protest. Mm-hmm. All right. Are we still going yeah. high level? So mini page turn noise. <gasps> we got a training montage with Sheila in her swap. She was successful last issue. I didn't realize that yeah. she now is the human. I got to say, I was a little confused at oh, first yeah. because, you know, like we're seeing her as she sees herself. And it wasn't until a few pages in that I realized that she was swapped. And I was like, why did she switch sides? Right. Why is she training with them? Why is she training to be a terrible person? I don't understand. But she's learning the ins and outs of the human and their secrets. And, you know, if you're the last one to drink the coffee, you better refill it. You kill it, you fill it. Also, make sure that you read these books and uh, practice your shooting. So in this moment, she's messing with all their guns, right? Yeah. That's okay. seating and that's what for later on. Later. Yep. That okay. there is a mechanism that she can easily disable as long as nobody's paying attention, which nobody is apparently because they're all too focused on the fact that they're going to get powers from the people that they hate slash love. Yeah, it's very. I like the line that she's like, that's a really weird way to basically show appreciation for someone that you're obsessed with is like you want to kill them and take what's theirs. Yes. Like, oh, that's, an, that's a weird way to be a fan of something. Yep. Sabotaging things left and right and coming upon Sarabella. Yes, Sarabella is uh, trapped on a table and uh, that takes us straight to... Our title page called the Sublime Saga. Sublime, sublime, sublime. Back to back. Part two, swap out. Written by Charlie Jane Anders. Art by Alberto Albuquerque with Rose Stein and Ted Brandt on Young Sheila and Morgan. Colors by Carlos Lopez with Tamara Bonvillain on Young Sheila and Morgan. Letters in production, Travis Lanham. VCs, Travis Lanham. That cover by Raphael De La Torre and David Curiel. I was trying to place the cover artist and I couldn't, mm. but it felt familiar. And that's because Raphael has done a couple of issues of Daredevil, which I just recently oh, caught up on. All right, then. As there a fill-in. We have our new prisoner to the team in the inside and he's so sad yeah this was interesting to see how more of the details of 
escapades power mm. impact people and how right. it like shakes their confidence Those who and have been sense of identity feel very sad right he's blaming the x-men and well what else is new he's blaming the x-men but so is morgan for how they've been captured and how if i had just kept on hiding and been out of this i wouldn't have mm. been in this situation oh, <laughs> they're man. they're bogarting paradise they're not sharing it yeah Sarabelle is happy to see she well she's happy to see uh escapade at first but then she's like okay well the only way you can save me because you can't get me out of these restraints is to just straight up kill me yeah i mean that's Krakoan coolness we're we're down with that you just kill me and i'll be resurrected yeah but like when you haven't killed somebody before or been killed it doesn't really feel like the right choice just the flip the flip on sarah bella which i i try to unpack everything that martha has been through right Mm -hmm. we're talking about this but we're feeling this but this is the absolute last place she wants to be so to to help me mm-hmm. would be to get me out of this place, right. be my friend, and right. shoot me in the face. This is literally my worst nightmare come true. Right. Make it end. The data page continuing to dig into Sarabella and the trauma that she feels being left as no girl, feeling betrayed by her people. There's just really interesting character development here for Sarabella as someone that we don't know a whole lot of because she's been a brain in a jar for the longest mm-hmm. time. And her silver lining yes. is interesting. Yeah, Sublime isn't just some loser human. He's actually a million-year-old like bacteria. Millions and millions of years old is fine. So right. at least like he has some clout if he's going to be the one yeah. to steal me and experiment on me. It just wasn't a motivational speaker with a weird toupee. <laughs> Speaking of Sublime. Here he is. This parallel being drawn by Sublime between them of how each can feel like a real person Mm -hmm. and the identity that Martha Sarabella is now finding for herself versus the identity that Sublime has created for himself. Yes. And he's like, okay, but I'm taking your brain out of your body and putting it back in this bubble. Yeah. No, that's what we're doing. Because that's what I'm doing. And... Then, then we get the first ever double swap double on page. Swap. After Sarabella calls Sheila out, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you would do that if you were my friend, right? Right. Double swap, and that double swap somehow allows Martha to be back with the team. Yeah, because she has now swapped into the body of the guard who has the ability to let them free. No, the guard is still there. The guard that Sheila was. This is the guard that Sheila swapped with. Right. So the guard is in Sheila's original place. Sheila becomes in the guard's place. Sheila swaps into Martha's place. Martha swaps into the guard's place, the intermediary place. That's why she's able to then go. I guess it's just confusing when they're not drawn. Like, so... Does this guard look like who does this guard look like to everyone else? A guard or do they look like I assume that they look like Sheila, which is why the guards themselves are not like freaking out. Why is one of our own in that pen? Mm-hmm. That's the only way that that works in my mind. Right. But now that Sheila has become Martha, who does Martha look like? We don't like, know that. 
Yeah. That's what's confusing is I thought she just swapped and then the, the guard is themselves again. I assume that the guard looks like Sheila. Martha looks like the guard and Sheila looks like Martha. Whoa. Anyway. Until the facade is broken and Sublime is attempting to cut through this guard who's just excited to be there. Mm-hmm. Before that, we get a data page of hard feelings going between Morgan and Sheila about this vision that Sheila has had. Right. Of death. This, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to live in the moment. And I do think it's interesting, this thing of, you know, when someone sees a prophecy or a vision in their efforts to... Prevent it. Prevent it is generally how they cause it. Right. So not knowing the future is the way to avoid the future, essentially. Regardless of what you do, it's going to happen. But let's fight. Let's fight our way out. Let's get everyone out of these traps, the cell, and just go through all the chaos. Sublime figures it out. And there's, oh, there's someone new with a power I don't know. Oh, I must have them for my own. It's it's a very interesting art style, this art style, because it's so different. And I think it, I think I said it previously, but it's the color art that I think makes it look so much different than other books, other titles. Do you feel positively or negatively about that? Big picture doesn't matter, but it just it has a unique style. Mm, it definitely has a unique style, um, but I I like it. I think it's interesting, too, that Sublime thinks that this power is a reality manipulation power, though. He thinks he's like, oh, someone with the power to alter reality. So that's interesting because it's not quite correct. Yeah, right. He don't know. We don't know. We're figuring out as we go, Sublime. And look at that. Wolfsbane has entered a, uh, a hub of sorts. With a map of Krakoa. Sees, yeah. They're readying an attack. So I cross-reference this mm -hmm. with a recent map of Krakoa to see where they are focused on. Of course you did. And it looks like they're planning to attack the Academos habitat, which is where all of the younger generations of mutants live. Oh, interesting. Which would likely be the most bang for your buck if you're going to go to Krakoa and try and attack. You get the most mutants. Mm -hmm. But they're all hiding in fear. This third species book is in multiple shots. And is setting Cerebella off as it should, right? The third species by John Sublime, this idea of them creating a mixture between human and mutant. Mm -hmm. As our team sort of, I like to call this like Walking Dead style, splits into mini teams as yep. they try to escape the main villain. Our friends are off to a dangerous place. We've got... The duo who are trying to prevent death heading directly to the place in which Morgan's death takes place. Right. Yeah. Life is messy. So we just got to keep on going. This this is the origin of their supervillain story. And I like that character moment of like, this yeah. is this is what they've been planning all along. We're going to be supervillains. Well, maybe we won't be supervillains now. Maybe we'll just live in a robot lair as we get onto the roof of this base. And it is the location of Sheila's vision where... Morgan will die. Dun, dun, dun. Next issue, Destiny. Big picture. I really like New Mutants. I like the direction that the story is going in. It's very different from where it was before, but I like that we're exploring these newer characters. We're getting to know 
these other mutants were we're carving out a new corner of the Krakoan society and I'm interested in it. I I do have questions and and sort of thoughts of how this version of Sublime plays into what's happening in Marauders specifically because I know that the X desk like communicates it's very connected so yeah. there has to be something that is either tied in or like very clearly separates them from each other so right. that they're not tied in but it's literally the same character right to use the same character as the main threat in mm -hmm. two books feels like there's got to be something that is not yet revealed and the reference in this book to the fact that sublime is billions years old years yeah. old right like it's like okay there's gotta be something there which is what in like in the back of my mind gives me some hope for the direction of where Marauders is going, that it's it's got a purpose to having all this all these layers to it, is that it's going to eventually connect to what's going on maybe in New Mutants or largely in Krakoa. So yeah. But I, I really enjoy New Mutants. I, I like it a lot. I don't know that I like it a lot, but I'm still here for it. You know, I don't I think it's, it's, I'm still in that transitionary phase. Mm. We're, we're coming out of the height that was Rod and Vita, and we're in a new direction, and I'm still, I'm along for the ride. I'm still in the first, well, this is the second issue of yeah. this arc. I like Sheila. I like Morgan. I like this team, and I think that this is an interesting way to take the New Mutants moniker and go somewhere new with it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm on the road. That's good. Do you see the U-Men as a legit threat in the landscape of Krakoa? Are they someone that has... And it's interesting they even referenced Dr. Barrington in this issue as well. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Defecting to Orcus or leaving their cause. Yeah, I think I think the U-Men at one point were... Well, it's difficult, right? Because I, I think the U-Men are kind of like stormtroopers in my mind. Yeah. Like... Fodder. They're, they're there, but you can take them down. But the fact that Sublime is mixed within them, that's what... I think Sublime is the threat and the human are the bumbling Henchmen, fools, yeah. right? Like Sublime is Darth Vader and the human are the stormtroopers. Yeah, I like that. On to Captain Marvel. On to Captain Marvel. Well, it's a cover. It's a team cover. It's a team cover. And that's what we got. We got a group shot. Everybody looks very stoic. Like they're ready to fight, but also you could take a photo right now. Right. Yeah. We are power engaged, but also ready to do business. Mm-hmm. Revenge of the Brood, part two. This is continuing, and I was able to find a physical issue of this and issue 43, which I didn't have last time. I was like having the physical copy to put yeah. in the, the boxes. We went to a new comic shop. Yeah. Went to a new comic shop to see what they have for back issues. All right. Here we go. Mini page turn noise. Straight to that title page. Captain Marvel, Revenge of the Brood, Part 2. Written by Kelly Thompson, art by Sergio Dalvila, inks by Sean Parsons, colors Arif Prianto, letters Clayton Coles. PCs, Clayton Coles. That cover by Juan Figueri and Jesus Arbatov. All righty. Our lineup page, everybody involved, and then we get into Brood Rogue. Dun, dun, dun. Carol wants to take her down. This lineup of our side versus her. I love this internal monologue of her thinking like, oh, I would get one shot 
at both brood and rogue, mm. I, I have to take Gotta it. Gotta take it. Old Carol would love this, but Gambit's not feeling it. He doesn't really love the idea of destroying his love. Right. I mean, it's kind of a moot point when you're in the Krakoan age mm-hmm. and everyone can just come back, but I get it. He doesn't want to be a hand to that. He looks so sad. Yeah, it's it's like you know that it's the right answer, but it's still not an easy answer to decide to kill the one you love. Right. The fight continues between this brood rogue and a wolverine. Yeah, wolverines are a tricky thing. We know how to mess with you. Mm-hmm. And is Laura is thrown into deep space. But Polaris comes for her and she's saved. I love this team up idea. Okay, I have an idea. Psylocke, can you see it? Can everyone see it? Are we all in agreement? Yeah. Even though sad gambit. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yes. Um, this plan is to essentially throw this creature outside into space and use the thrusters of the ship to incinerate them. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, recognizing the threat of a brood, this is a great idea. Yeah. Emotions aside, like... Get over it. We got to do it. We got to do it. Otherwise, we're going to fight this person that we don't really want to hurt. She has all of our powers, too. Right. She's got it all. This is our only way. As we deal with the aftermath of their decision, talking about the the reasons why this is so confusing. What about King Brew? What about the Brood Egg? WTF? Right. Like, I thought that we were cool. What happened? How are we not cool anymore? They could bail, but as a team, they decide the thing that is right is to save Binary. Mm-hmm. We're not just going to leave. We're not just going to go back. Rogue would want us to do this. Right. And the point is brought up like, Carol, you remember what it was like when the brood captured you. Right. Right. Would you really want to leave someone in that same peril? Someone who the brood might even think is you. Right. On the next page, the drop-down shot of the week, potentially, as they all jump from this ship, ready to land onto this planet where a brood infestation is going on. Let's just go. Let's just attack. Let's save Binary, hopefully. Let's jump right in. This was jarring. What? Because I, I literally flipped back and forth like, four times to be like did i miss a page oh from the fight to the shiar this is gonna hurt you know what doesn't hurt all of a sudden we're all in fancy outfits at a cocktail party which i feel like was the biggest tip to this feeling suspicious especially with the fact that rogue is fine and everyone's getting what they want yeah everyone's all dandy I was like, something's not right. This isn't real or something else has happened. It's interesting. And Warline brings it up in a point later. The fact that Lorna is talking about uh, just if it's nice to be loved I, I alone. Mm-hmm. And this is a recurring element of her character story is that she's not with anyone. Mm-hmm. You need to find yourself, girl. You need to find the, the strength <laughs> that is in within you. And your identity Love and not yourself living yourself so you can be loved by someone else. Not living in Magneto's shadow, not crawling back to Havoc. Oh, Havoc. I mean, Havoc's been trying to crawl back to her, so that's a different story. <laughs> Everything's all too happy as we twist to the last page and see that it's all a brood infested dream. My favorite of the teases for next issue, it's Broodtastic. It's Broodtastic. Big picture. I think it's an interesting story. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued as to kind of what happened with the brood. This brood sleep situation is kind of giving me pit vibes. Oh, yeah. Oh, especially so, with the vines everywhere. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, I really like this. I like the character voices still. I really liked issue 43. Mm. And it's even more exciting knowing that this is going to tie into a more current time crossover with X-Men. Oh, yeah. So I think there's at least one or two more issues of this arc. And then there's going to be a four issue, two of X-Men, two of Captain Marvel telling a more current lineup story because of how many that are on the previous lineup. Are in this. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Brood Rogue. Warline, like I mentioned, he's pointing out Polaris missing being in a relationship. And it's been mentioned by Hickman, Duggan, and now Kelly Thompson. Does that mean that they have been planning to pair her with someone? Mm, Maybe. It was also hinted in X Factor because I think there was like a drunk dial message from Havoc one day. So like there's this is part of her story. I don't think they're going to go back together because he's got his own thing going on with his... Madeline is not his girlfriend. Right, right. Because she dumped him in the quiet back back scene stories of New Mutants. Oh, man. Michael Fox was fooled by the dream sequence in Captain Marvel. It's so jarring. It's so confusing as to like, all right, what's going on? I was like, this is not flip, 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 flip. Nope, there's no pages missing. Okay, I'm supposed to be confused. I think that's the point. (laughs) That's what they want. That's what they want you to feel. Ooh. It's time for the good, 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 good stuff. The second half. Not that the other stuff wasn't good. I, You know, it's funny that you say it like that because I had almost put X-Force in Division 1. Oh. Because I felt like it, it likely should have in my mind. Because of the books, these four were the most exciting mm-hmm. about what they meant for the world story in my mind. Yes. I agree. Because it's the world story I'm here for. X-Force. Look at that nasty vomit cover. Oh, yeah. But nasty in the best way. In the best way. I love, you know, I hate Beast. We have him here. I I opened the retro carded with his little lab coat and his X-Gene vial that he looks to the action figure is kind of cheersing to Sinister with the X-Gene vial because who can tell the difference anymore, guys? But I do love this look of Beast on Joshua's cover. Ah, Joshua. Shall we? Oh, yeah. Full-fledged page turn noise. Space prison. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, and here we learn that when Beast is done experimenting on you, he just pops you out into space to die. You know, like a real supervillain. That just treats you like you're just genetic fodder. Like Mr. Sinister. Yeah, you don't matter. It's fine. Go out there. I just think that that's an interesting story that's being told across different people to have Forge atone for the things that he had done to Caliban in Mm -hmm. X-Men to want to seek some forgiveness and explanation to Beast, who was just unapologetically doing this for the benefit of Krakoa in his mind. Yeah. Throws them out into space as we go into the prison and have a riot. Yeah. The uh, the freeing of the prisoners and the takedown of the prison is in full effect. Yeah. 
Sevier and Solemn are just leading everyone to their freedom, and Maverick and the Mercs are uh, not sure that they're gonna keep doing it. You know, they even say it. You're better than this. What are you doing, Maverick? Yeah, it's a paycheck. It's what I'm here for. Yeah, but sometimes a paycheck's not worth it, man. We find that out. But first, we check in on our other story, this Sage and Domino moment, as we deal with the fallout from last issue, the the problem that Sage is wrestling with, the result that it gave to Domino, and the failure of that Xeno mission. Right. So Domino is not dead. Nope. She's being she healed. She's being healed. They're in the healing gardens, and there's this conversation, and I think it's a really beautiful conversation. It's yeah. like... Really important. Sage is recognizing her problem. She's talking about it. There, there are steps being taken to recover, and it's nice that Domino is saying, "You know, like I'm here for you." Yeah, it's great because so this, to my knowledge, is a new thread for Sage, Mm -hmm. and it comes from the realities of the book, right? So having to deal with all the numbers, all the deaths, all Mm -hmm. the results of all the actions that x-force is taking and how that's been affecting sage as a person and then having her dial into that from a character arc perspective Mm -hmm. and sage and domino to be there as a friend like i feel like this is all new ground that explores and resonates with these characters but gives us something that is only able to happen because of the narrative that's been set up. Right. This, this is this is a direct result of what X Force has been doing, which is to say that it makes it a really good character story for right. this as a new narrative. Agreed. Title page: Space Force. Prison Break, written by Ben Percy, art by Chris Allen, colors Carlos Lopez, letters Joe Caramagna. VC Joe Caramagna. Cover by Joshua Cassara and Dean White. Ooh. As we get our Warden Beast on the next page. Ooh, he is not happy, and his only solution is to just inject this guy with basically a killer concoction. Yeah. It's like, here, I'm going to just, you're just going to go crazy and kill everybody, and that's fine with me. Bad news, good news time. I'm going to make you a monster. That's bad. But hey, at least you're free. At least you're free. Oh, and this one-page monster shot as Beast hides himself in the prison cell. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Chris Allen because I just, this is intense. Mm-hmm. Our team back in Krakoa is doing a little investigating. We're finding the secrets hidden in the cave. Mm. Interesting because of this upgrade to Omega Red's tentacles that he's able to interface with technology in these ways. Yes. He's like, hey, hold on. This will take you to where the origination of this message is coming from. Right. Because there's an unknown gate. Beast is off world, but he's we don't we don't have any trace of him. So we're 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 following the pathway. And oh, look at this. We found a gate. And I love this little aside of who else. Who knows what else Beast is hiding? And yeah, there's like a little feral Wolverine yeah. hiding in a corner somewhere, hopefully to be found soon. I, right. Well, especially uh, I, so many questions. So many questions. Look at all these brood in this fight. Yeah. What is happening here? Do you think this is why the brood are angry? It's just it's just the one, I think, right? Uh, later, you see a bunch on the ship outside. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 
So the fight is continuing. The riot is still going strong. And Maverick is kind of over it. Yeah. Beast is like, yo, we need you to come. Like, I need you to come. You need to stop this. And he's like, nah, you know, I'm out. I'm out. Sorry about it. You're too evil. And I actually have a lot more in common with these guys. I don't have time for this. And I got to go. I don't care if you're going to double or triple or whatever my pay. I'm out. Even darkness has rules. Great spaceships. You know, this is classic X-Men storytelling of the space Mm. opera that is whatever else is going on here. Mm -hmm. As we get a little detail on our prisoner intake, some of these crimes are ridiculous. Well, it feels very much, you know, when we were just watching Andor. Yeah. And this idea of... Oppressive government uh, upping the crimes. Whatever crime you're doing is if you fall over, you trip over a guard's foot, you're going to go to prison because we need you for this other thing. Right. And, you know, this also, uh, in a previous issue, we were discussing, do we think it's all mutants that Beast has in this prison? And it is not. It is... Anybody and everybody. All kinds. And, I mean, I guess if you're looking at it from a scientific perspective, like, Beast needs to know. Right. How do his things affect humans? How do they affect the brood? How do they affect the Shi'ar? How do they affect the Kree? Because big picture... Him working with Brand in their intergalactic takeover, right. they're going to want to have these weapons for everyone. Right. They're going to want to know how it affects everyone. And that's not a spoiler. That's just a prediction. Right. And <laughs> the team is geared up. Not I don't bad. know how they know that this gate that they didn't know about <laughs> in goes space. into space. Right. Yeah. We're just going to put on spacesuits just, just in case. Just in case. Maybe they stuck their head through. And they were like, oh, this is space. I oh, I can't breathe. And so the team goes into space. Sage goes back to her desk. And she's like, forget this alcohol. You're life ruining. I'm going to throw you away. But not too far because I might need you later. Right. This a really good shout out. I'm assuming this is the Port Genosha whiskey. Oh, that makes Krakoa's sense. other valuable export yes as our our team arrives and solemn takes this as an advantage to distract with the big monster and send Mm. them through that gate that big monster has gone to krakoa and that is gonna be bad we get a little split screen of what's going on on one side and the other they're, they're they're putting it all together. This is a prison of some sort. There has been an uprising. Badoon, Kotati, Cree, humans, Iraqi, the occasional robot. We don't know what's going on, but we know it's not good. As we find Beast in his cell, I, I just love him sitting there and they walk up upon him. And he's like, oh, well, you know, this is great that you're here. And they're ready to take him in. And Beast's like, do I have to remind you that I'm your superior? Yeah, when Domino says no to him. Yeah. And he's like, did you just say no? And I have to tell you all, so I took comics to work to read on my break. And I was supposed to have a longer break. And some people that, that were coming for a tech time showed up early. They literally walked in the door as I was reading Beast say, I'm sorry, did you say no? And then it was like, oh, hi, I'm here. And I was like, no, no, no. I can't stop reading this comic right now. I can't believe you stopped. I would have been like, sorry, I'm doing something. I had to. I had to. But yeah. Don't you was... have to go to the bathroom? 
It was a really terrible time to have to stop reading. As we get a quote page from Sevyar Blackmore, which is great. Yes. And, and really exciting for what could be his story going forward. There's the deep dark of the ocean. And there's the deep, deep, deep dark of space. They both hold treasures, but space is as vast and rich as the imagination can conjure. I lost my ship, no thanks to Wolverine, but I gained a ship, no thanks to Beast. This one-time prison will be my pirate sloop in the times that follow. This like multi-billion dollar investment that X-Force off the books has. He just took it. No one knows about this prison, too. Seven is like my ship now. This is my ship now. And you, I'm the captain now. You think about all the Iraqi, the warring Iraqi. Like this is another planet that the Iraqi have, yeah. essentially. Yeah. This is another moon, but weaponized. It's insane. It's insane. And this evil monster man yeah. is coming for Sage, and she's not having it. So she she gives Black Tom a little ring-a-ding-ding, and she's like... Do you just uh, pop a fireball up real quick? I right. need to just breathe some fire on this guy and destroy him. Love it. Love the fire. Love the action. Love the attack. It's great. And then we see our friends Omega Red and Domino bringing Beast in in cuffs of sorts. Right. As we get this monologue from Sage talking about the different things that we're addicted to booze money sex trouble or blood x-force is addicted to blood speak of the terrible person and that's it xenophobia Ooh man with the peacock man on that cover come on oh the peacock man coming in and oh beast the takedown of beast begins i feel like this the is just the reveal of the secrets Right, right. That like my big picture was comeuppance. Like exclamation point. With all the crazy bomb drops that have happened, and seeing the Peacock Man on this cover, what relationship does he have to Beast? That's my question. I feel like the same way that Beast was part of that underground secretly. Like he's got to have some secret tie into the peacock man like he's up we're we're starting a, a roller coaster of uncovering all of beast's secrets which yeah i agree that we're definitely entering into a new phase of x-force or have been in a new phase someone asked a couple weeks ago like do we think there's a transition coming and i think because of the the long game of fall of x that we are going to be wrapping up some of our plots as mm. we get to what may be a new age of Krakoa or a new status quo shift. Mm-hmm. You know, the, all the, the threads that have been dangling over the past couple of months, who knows, are we going to find out about Colossus? I feel like that's the other big question on the table. It's, it's beast. It's the peacock man and it's Colossus. These are things that either at the start or developed throughout the run yeah. are our big X-Force questions. What'd you think of this? I love it. I love it. I love it. You love it because Beast is getting taken down? Uh, yeah, but also I think it was really great to see Sage moving forward, taking a step to make a change and to recognize the problem and want to be better. I am really loving seeing Omega Red in this role and sort of finding himself. It's interesting because in the 
uh, X-Men Unlimited comic, you know, Xavier made makes a comment about Sabretooth and how he's always trying to rehabilitate him and he wants that for him and look at him now. He's a hero here and I feel like that's sort of the storyline that Omega Red is getting. He's finding himself in a new way, understanding his powers and his connection to these other mutants in a new way. So I'm loving seeing that and I like his team up because with all the other characters just because I like the his attitude towards everything it's very much like yeah okay i just i kind of just do it like <laughs> yeah 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 whatever i'm just gonna kill this guy these, real these quick. are the things you brought me onto the team for right and yeah i'm just really interested in that and i i'm glad that it is the x-force team who is uncovering yeah. things about beast yeah and you had said that a couple weeks ago i'm really excited to see what happens next you know like i'm just ready for the next part of the story i think it left on a good point of like okay we got to the point where Beast has been sort of uh, subdued in a way and, and it leads us to the ability to be able to find out more. The moment of Domino saying no to him and just yeah. being like, you oh, yeah. think you're superior to everyone and that's the actual problem. Like that was so satisfying to me. So yeah, there's just, so many great moments in this issue. I feel like it hit on plot and character in a really good yeah. way. In, in a way that has been brewing but missing in, in a lot of good end point or, or just like mm-hmm. a satisfying, okay, here's a point to feel like we've been building to. Yes. And, and you know, maybe that's the, the long game plan coming to fruition that Percy's been brewing in this X-Force run entirely is that, okay, all of the things now are coming to a head. You have Beast, you have Zeno, you have... I'm just hoping Mikhail is in the distance, but yes, yeah, this is good. Michael Fox is calling out Beast in handcuffs as the victory of the week. Yeah, but we have to assume this space arc took place right after the last issue of Wolverine, and especially right with that panel alluding to Wolverine in a cave. Mm-hmm. Interesting, this dialogue between the two series that Percy's always been telling, right? But now how it's coming together with Beast essentially as the villain. Right. As he should be. Warline was rereading Hickman's Avengers and came across an issue in which Kid Beast kept roasting Old Beast and saying that he hates what he'd become in the future. Oh. This hits hard knowing that he remembers hating himself for being evil yet chooses to continue to be evil. Oh. And that's the thing. Like I don't think he sees himself as being evil. No, he doesn't. He sees this as something necessary for the preservation of Krakoa, which is very... In contrast to his stance against Cyclops and Utopia of what Cyclops was trying to do to recruit mutants at all means. This idea that Beast drank the Kool-Aid, right? Mm -hmm. He was like, all right, yeah, Xavier and Magneto and Moira are all doing it together. I don't know about Moira for some reason, but I know that there's a larger plan afoot that we have a new place of power that it's everyone at the table. All right, now I'm going to go and do whatever I can to protect that and blur the lines of, all right, we have good guys and bad guys around, so I might as well be a little bit of both. Yeah, and I think the thing with Beast is that he doesn't see himself as evil, but he knows that it's morally questionable. Which is why he doesn't tell anybody. Which is why he doesn't tell anybody about it. So he's like, yeah, I'm doing this, but I know that... Other people might see this as too far, but I think it's the right thing, and I'm the authority. So, yeah. Eric Huffman wants to know, did Beast finally get caught with his hand in the cookie jar? Mm-hmm. 
How is he explaining his way out of this? He's not. He's not. But and like this is the big question is how the council reacts to this, how Charles reacts to this. I swear to all the things of Krakoa, if Charles is like I gave him I'll, I gave I'll him freedom. Go to Krakoa and kill you myself. Charles Xavier. <laughs> and I feel like that's the thing is that Emma knows. Emma knows that Beast has been doing stuff like this all the time. Yeah, Emma's going to be like, okay, that's it. You done. Which I feel like adds into the fall of X. This mm-hmm. idea that Charles has been up to some stuff where he just allowed. Like you're not asking questions. You're not checking up. I feel like that's a thing of when different people are in, in power. Like Charles hasn't checked in on right. Beast at all. Right. There's no like checkup system. I feel like if it was Emma, she like when Emma runs was running the Hellfire Trading or whatever, she would pop in to <laughs> right. the people and be like, What's going on here? You know, like I'm checking in and and I think it's a question of what is the council gonna do, but also how long is X Force going to wait before they tell the council and you know beast's mindset of x-force is well i don't have to tell the council or anyone what we're doing because we're x-force and we have you know blanket coverage to do whatever we want so maybe x-force turns that on beast and they're like we don't need to take you to the council we'll punish you how we see fit which is because we're x-force which is interesting that you compare it to the hellfire trading company Mm. because of how they handled things with shaw they just handled it internally they were like we'll take care of this but i think the one thing that's going to cause a little more publicity around it is the involvement of the five with Wolverine. Right. And that resurrection and the fact that Hope's on the council. So she knows you've been up to some weird stuff. Right. And Shaw basically committed a crime against someone else in Hellfire Trading Company by killing Kate. And so that was like a well, let's I mean, set the record straight within each other. But this is involving. All of these people that Beast had in this prison that he was experimenting on, all of the things that he's done that have given like a bad name to Krakoa, it extends further than just the inner circle of the Hellfire Trading Company. Yeah. You know? Blonde China loved X-Force and how they're dealing with alcohol issues in a real resonant mm-hmm. way. Imagine being a teenager and seeing one of your favorite X-Heroes going through this. But what's up with Beast? Yeah. That's the big question. This is great representation, great story arc for Sage's character, and just the compassion and friendship between her and Domino. Yes. Vaderino wonders if there's any saving beast. He's almost cartoonishly evil. It's interesting. I mean, there's there are options, right? Like, do they... I mean, I don't think it, and it's a good idea to throw anyone in the pit at this point, because no. we've seen what the pit would do. But, but like, we don't know that. Does X-Force just resurrect beast and then decide what parts of his brain they put back in and we just saw how well that charles xavier we just saw how well that that worked you know and and that is an interesting conversation that's happening both in wolverine with how you resurrect someone differently Mm -hmm. and then in the upcoming x-men red with vulcan yes oh vulcan are you ready to spin a dark web oh my god i'm so ready I love it. I love it already. No, especially this cover. This cover is amazing. Yeah. I, I'm it's so excited. It's very the upside down. It like I'm looking at you. Okay, I'm going to take a picture of this right now, so I'll put it in our story later. But okay, so we have this dark web, and then we have this strange. I'll have to take a picture of it closer. 
but we have this dark web post, uh, this dark web cover, and then right behind Justin, we have this Stranger Things poster where it's essentially the same thing, right? You've got the good guys on top and the bad guys upside down and the yeah. upside down on the bottom. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing. I'm so excited about this whole arc. I'm excited that you're going to read more Spider-Man. Yeah. Yay. All right. Ready? Yeah. Page turn noise. Into Ben's nightmare. Dun, dun, dun. Somewhere, somewhen, looking like New York City as Ben and Janine. Spending Christmas. You're spending Christmas together and everything's cool. And then, oh. oh, Peter, you're here and give me back my stuff. Do you, I don't know if you remember this, but it connects to the Madeline episode that we had done at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. where she is essentially having this nightmare and is having her features ripped from her face. Oh. You're a nowhere person from a nowhere place. I remember that line. And she's like a mannequin, yeah. featureless because Scott and Jean are, are essentially doing what this MJ dream. Are doing. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I heard that line, you're a nowhere person from a nowhere, a nothing person in a nowhere place. I was like, oh, I... I've heard that before. And so I like recognized that it was familiar, but now that you're saying that, that makes more sense. But you know, this idea that that's his fear, right? Or that's the thing that's haunting him in his mind is that Peter came and took his memories back. Right. And now Ben is unsure of like what was his, what was Peter's, what really makes him who he is, which leads us to why he is teamed up with Madeline. Yeah, and it just it really connects it further to Inferno. Mm-hmm. As we get the fact that Ben is actually just having a nightmare. Oh, and the scythe of sorrows. The scythe of sorrows. As Maddie comes from the shadows. Hmm. If commanding. pain is energy, then I'm full of it. Oh, yeah. Are you ready? Are we good? Everything was stolen from us. Let's go get it back. This Ugh. is the preview image that's been out for a little while. I love it. I love it so much. Chasm is an upcoming Marvel Legends teased, not yet fully revealed. I but- swear I will go to Hasbro. It is in Rhode Island. I will protest outside if they give us a freaking Chasm, if they do a dark web line and Madeline is not one of the options. Well, they're not going to do a dark web line. It's just... Again, you know, very rare that they'll do a full, right, a wave, full wave of a specific comic title, especially okay. a comic that is actively coming out. Ch- Chasm being a figure now is, again, hints that Hasbro has the inside scoop of where the narrative is going. Okay, but if you look at what they did for Madeline, the look that they did for her, for what would have been the Ghost Rider thing, mm-hmm. and then you look at the Emma Frost that just came out, that they just previewed, yep. it's the same. It's the same amount of skin. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, so I mean, give that, it to me. I, I would like to see this yes. with the Scythe of Sorrows. I'm, I'm down with that. Let's get let's get it with the crown. I mean, I have my fake Madeline, which is really just the black suit Emma with a couple of modifications and a dark phoenix head. Mm-hmm. That works for me for now. Doesn't work for me. All right, well. <laughs> I'm going to go to Hasbro my free time. T-t-t-title page, Dark Web Dusk. 
All the Real Boys and Girls, written by Zeb Wells, art by Adam Kubert, colors Frank Martin, letters Joe Caramagna. VC Joe Caramagna. That cover Adam Kubert and Alejandro Sanchez. Yes. To the coffee bean. And I like how they tell you it's December 13th. Mm-hmm. We place it in time as we are going to be leading up to this in real time. Mm-hmm. It's Christmas in New York, too. That's classic X-Men and Spider-Man storytelling. Classic storytelling. And the coffee bean. We're Come on. The coffee bean. We're having a little memorial party for the late Harry Osborne. Right. It's his birthday. Isn't a real Harry? There's a lot of questions. There's a lot going on. Because the, the bigger question is like, wait, you have kids? How do you have kids? Yeah. Uh, it's a long story MJ, that no, we don't listen, know. I don't want to explain my life to you. I'm Mary Jane. Things are different now. Things are different now, and we don't really actually know we being readers of Amazing Spider-Man. Right. We don't we don't have time to explain it because it's not it's part of a longer game tease. But we're here. Let, let's let's get a coffee together, Peter. It's Which is okay. a callback to the Hellfire Gala offshoot issue mm-hmm. when they wanted some separation. Like Peter wanted to to reconnect with MJ, and she was like, "No, no, no, I, no. let's I, stay away from." We each other. need to be away from each other. The coffee offer as he runs out to talk to Norman. Well, because all the coffee's been paid for by who? Norman Osborne. Norman Osborne. I, I just I love Adam Kubert's art. I love the details in their faces. I love the expressions. Even, you know, we were talking about backgrounds in Marauders, but just this wispy, snowy background and Mm. Frank Martin's colors blending that into so many tones of gray. Yes, yes, it's gorgeous. They're talking about, did was that really Harry? Did he love Norman? All these big questions about... Things that affect both of them in their heart and soul. Yeah, and it's a really interesting point to talk about, you know... Clones. Clones. And, and reality. And Peter saying, you know, I I have to say that a clone isn't actually you, but they are a person, and they do have feelings, and they do have thoughts, right? Because Ben is not Peter. Right. Ben is Ben. And so that's a, a obviously a strong point for... Well, it, this whole arc with this whole arc but also just the mutant resurrection mm-hmm. conversation and the idea that we now have two Lauras that have different mm-hmm. identities this idea that we're hinting at well why don't we just make a bunch of different people oh, gosh. the idea with the multiple sinisters and how that creates different you know you have stasis and you have sinister same genetic template different, different characters person, right? right and it's such a oh, I want more chimeras <laughs> Back to Limbo. Back to Limbo with this almost rushed over idea of, oh yeah, where's Eddie? How does he tie into this? I feel like it'll come, it it was more like, we're at issue one, we gotta let you know all the key players, we'll come back to Sure, sure, to yeah, that. yeah. It's just, and Warline points this out, like, Eddie is essentially a god at this mm. point. He is the symbiote god, but is being manipulated by Madeline's power in limbo. And I don't know if it's because she's in limbo that she has more control or is able to pacify him because of dangling this idea of his son over mm-hmm. his head. So there's there's some unexplained influence of power here that allows for Venom to be pacified in a sense that he would not otherwise be. 
But you can definitely see him getting Angry. fed up yeah. with it. Like he's at the edge of my son now. A la- he's like, okay, yeah, you said I would get my son. So let's go. I'm losing my patience. I'm reaching the end of waiting for you to follow through on your half of the bargain here. Yeah. As we head for Christmas in New York. I love yeah. this whole, like, I've got something I want in New York, but I can't go get it myself. Right. Because I, I, I can't enter any Krakoan establishment with bad intentions. Right. So we're still playing with the idea. There were a lot of people that said, we're losing all of the character development that Maddie had in New Mutants. And we kind of are. Mm-hmm. And and that's sad. And, you know, we're losing a lot of character development that we had for Ben Riley and Chasm and, and what was then undone in the Beyond arc. But. But the thing is, like, I don't know if that's true because I think this is showing me that that character development was all part of Maddie's plan. Right. Well, like, it was not real character development. It wasn't development. real. Like, it was. It was her way because she knew that she wanted to be in charge of Limbo so that she could make this next step. And she knew that she had to agree to some sort of deal with magic in order to make it happen. So she plotted for her loophole. Like, I think she's been plotting this for a while. So it's a little bit like, yeah, I guess we were trying to see her in a new way. But she also was like breaking up with Havoc and... and she still had seeds of this anger for being a clone and being forgotten and, and saying like Limbo was like her her chance to have a place that was her own, right? She mm-hmm. never said Limbo is my chance to be a good person. No. So Limbo is a chance for me to be who I am. For me to be who I am. Which, which if Limbo you know- is the way that I get my Gene Soul, essentially. Gene Soul right? and my New York. It's basically how I get Inferno. Right. Part two. Right. So she was seeding that the whole time. She was just being sly about it. And we we're just upset because we thought that she was going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> and let's get some character relative moments in New York as our X-Men team comes into play. This, wow. This moment between magic and this gnome demon gnome mm-hmm. on the street and just these birds that look like evil bats magic's like uh-oh yeah no no problem here probably i don't know <laughs> something is definitely awry while firestar is keeping warm and everyone else is cold <laughs> yeah so we cut back to madeline playing the the organ of control over mm-hmm. these demons that she's sending into new york i don't know what text us barum means N- but that's just the spell that she's bringing. It's just the, uh, I'm bringing demons. Do you like my song? Yeah. We love your keep song. Keep playing. Keep playing. More demons. Demons on demons on demons. Oh, man. What's happening? My spidey sense is going crazy. What's that sound? We're ice skating and it's ruining our good time. <laughs> Magic kind of knows, but she doesn't think that anybody's going to like it. Mm-mm. And And again, just the lang and seeing her play the keys it's such a subtle like you you don't gain a whole lot of narrative context from seeing that but Mm. visually it's gorgeous yeah yes and things start to get demony yeah (laughs) this is peak inferno Mm -hmm. imagery right here as things come to life and start eating what's going on in new york they're just eating the people of new york 
And Spider-Man's like, hey, I, I've been here. I know what's going on. I've seen something like this happen. This big two-page splash as he overlooks I love it. the Rockefeller Center. I love it. Think I like to see there's a Zamboni going crazy. Demon Zamboni. We got Iceman in the corner. The ice itself is going nuts. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, I love it. I could look at this page all day. But on to the next. Have you talked to your girlfriend? She's not my, not my girlfriend. She's not my girlfriend. She dumped me and I'm upset about it. I don't think uh, we should really clear... Maddie, for all that she, maybe it was a good, it wasn't a good idea to give a woman called the Goblin Queen keys to limbo. I know, poor Magic. She's like, I really thought that she changed. Maddie, what did you do? You know, that has to suck for Magic because like you were saying earlier, you know, there might be an I told you so from Danny and or Wolfsbane at some point, you yeah. know. To be true, and she's probably feeling well, especially, a boatload of guilt. Especially in this someone who has had a similar mm-hmm. experience in their life where they were manipulated by an evil force, right? You know, right. magic is tainted by the trauma of her experiences in limbo and what had happened with Belasco and Sim and just how that that has impacted her outlook. And, and she sees a kindred spirit in what has happened to Maddie with nastier and Sim and Sinister. Yeah, she just was hoping for Maddie to follow the same path that she did, but that's not happening. Not quite where Maddie was going, it seems. The team is split up. The the evil team, the yeah. The evil team is is they got tasks. They got tasks. We have Hollow's Eve and Madeline coming in trying to do something, sending Eddie to do what he needs to do as Ben is doing what he needs to do, his revenge on Osborne. Oh, goodness gravy. You sound like Peter, but you're not Peter. But you're not Peter. Let me put on my gold goblin suit. Psych. No. I came in here and pretended to be Peter, and I messed with your stuff. And I just, I, I keep on saying it, but I love Adam Kubert's art. Yeah, the art in this is... It's the paneling, too. So it's, amazing. It's just how different some of the pages look from each other mm-hmm. and to, to bleed over and to give us so many different perspectives and zoom lengths on the action as this fight breaks out between Chasm and Gold Goblin. Oh, this page. You know, I, I loved the two-page spread of Rockefeller Center, but this split screen of what's going on in this fight between Ben and Norman, and then just the development of what's going on with Venom, Madeline, and Janine. And I really love the fight panel between Ben and Norman and the way that all the individual punches and things are in their own little boxes, and there's just like... The, bo- the number of boxes increases as each little punch is in a smaller and smaller box to just show you the intensity of the fight building. It's right. just so interesting the way that artists can take the layout and have that work for them in a way to create intensity or feeling or, you know, like you're feeling this. Your your eye is darting from punch to punch to punch, so you're feeling this the velocity increase as you're watching it. Right. Right. Or reading it. And in that bottom half, Venom, I thought we had an agreement that was before. Before we knew he was here, we will finally kill him. We will have our vengeance. 
Ben and I tried to make him malleable, but we have taken too much from him, which is another idea of just this idea what has been taken from these characters right. that are all on one side together. And right. it kind of, you know, like it does something different from Venom than what was going on in Venom's story, which I don't know a whole lot about, but he mm-hmm. was on this quest to try to understand him as this symbiote God force. But now he's here and he wants to eat Spider-Man's brain mm-hmm. as we get our last page. We're going to eat Spider-Man's brain. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. Oh, dark web. Which spins on into a bunch of different side stories. I do really appreciate if you're curious as to where to go next if you're on the ride for this event, but not the full effect. This editor's note does a really great job. This editor's page from Albert Banazek telling us, all right, if you're interested in these threads, follow these issues. Mm -hmm. If you're interested in these threads, follow these issues. If you want to know what's going on with these guys, follow these issues. I think it is a great... It is a really smart thing to do, especially at the start of an event, so that you don't have people who only care about certain characters reading the whole thing and being Feeling obligated, right? right? Like, they're basically saying, you don't have to read the whole thing. You'll still understand the story, and these are the people that you want to follow, so follow these books. The other, They might appear in the other books, but right. not in a way that's going to impact what you're following. Big picture. I'm. I will read every single issue of this. I don't care how many books it is. I love every second of it. Oh, great. I'm here for all of the characters. I love the art. I just think it's such a cool story. Well, and But you also know that you're not going to get the same art in all those. Right. right? right. Like, no, I know. But it's it's for me, it's also just like the character designs. Like, yeah, they're going to be done by different artists. But I really am into the character designs. And I have seen previews from other other issues or other covers and things like that and i feel like it still has they all have the same vibe they're doing a a nice job of tying in the dark web vibe visually yeah yeah it's a a lot to do with the colors i think but i i just there isn't a single character that appeared in this issue that i'm not interested in like i'm even interested in what's going on with norman and you know i love venom and i'm here for spider-man and i love hollow's eve hollow's eve seems cool maddie's dope like i'm i'm so thrilled this is a very different feeling than was at the start of axe yeah a hundred and ten thousand percent i just feel like it's more focused too right you had AXE was everywhere for everyone mm-hmm. and it was affecting everyone in the same way that you know this is kind of affecting everyone but not as a direct way mm-hmm. it's it's the transformation of New York a la Inferno that you you don't even know because we still haven't done Inferno right but I feel like that's a positive thing because there's so many people that are reacting like oh we're doing Inferno again which mm-hmm. was fine when we called it Inferno I guess but yeah. you know last year's Jonathan Hickman send off but now we actually have a spiritual sequel to Inferno in that Maddie is trying to take over New York and it doesn't feel repetitive in any way to you because you don't know that. Yeah, I don't know it and at it, all. It might actually be a better primer for your understanding of that the massive event. Inferno. I'm saying all this to just seed the fact that, yeah, yeah, I know I didn't do Inferno. I know the 2022 got away from me in my plans for <laughs> classic issues. I am well it's aware totally cool. of my faults and downfalls. No, stop. No, 
it's great. Everything is great. I the thing I think I like so much about Dark Web is I like a good villain story mm-hmm. and I feel like this is told from the villain perspective, right? Where AXE was told from the perspective of the heroes who were trying to take down the progenitor. Yeah, we got some issues like in the progenitor's voice, but this is a this is a story told from the side of us the, versus them. Yeah, and I'm I'm into it. Yeah, well, especially when they have motivations that all seemingly strike. Yeah, yes, you've had some regression of characters to get them to that point. Mm-hmm. Both Maddie and Ben are having some growth taken away from them to be at this point of vengeance mm-hmm. and and against the people that they feel responsible for that loss in right. memory and identity. But it's just I'm excited about this. I'm really into it, and I do want to read the full thing. And I mean, it's also similar to how I feel about, right, Midnight Suns. Like, it's just the vibe. It's right. like the evil, magic, underworldiness of it all. Yeah. I love it. We've been talking about it, but Gilbert Rojo, 1022, starting us off with what did we think about Dark Web? I think it's fantastic, and I can't wait for the next issue. So Warline is on the other side in that he's saying it's a mess, especially it's already a mess, especially the part where Maddie is controlling Eddie. She can't control a god using her mutant powers or even magic as Jean fainted against Null back in King and Black when she tried to get info from his mind and Strange couldn't take Null one on one, which. All right. Yes. Hear you on that. Suspended a little bit for this. And I don't know how she's able to do that. That's what we were talking about. With the whole pacified venom, it seems like something has been taken from him to be able to put him at this starting point of the story. And it's something that we don't have a whole lot of context on. You didn't read King and Black. No, I, didn't. I haven't been reading Venom. So there's some character difference gone that people obviously who have been keeping up with that right, story. That they're noticing. And they, they have connection to, right? You you have this development of a character, you have this arc that he's been going on, and now that's gone to be able to work for this event. I think for me, I saw it less and and like I like exactly what you're saying. Like I haven't been reading, so well, I don't know. That's because I saw you reacting before I even yeah, finished you were like, talking. Let me just, just let me preface it. But I didn't see it as as Maddie controlling him as much as like blackmailing him. You know, like I I feel like she... Dangling a carrot more. I think for it's less about her physical control over him and more that she was like, I can help you with this thing if you help me. And he wants that thing so bad that he's willing to work with her, but he's getting frustrated. And that so it's not happening. That it's not happening. And so I don't think that she's like... Obviously, she mentions that they did something to him, but... And we don't know what that is at this moment. But I I don't think that it's as much of her like puppeting him as it is that she's holding this thing over his head that he wants. And she's not revealed how she can do that. So he can't just like go crazy on her because he wants this thing. So it's less of a physical power and like an actual control over him and more of a blackmail or like I have this thing that you want. So work with me. Listen to me situation. Michael Fox loves how in Dark Web, Jean tries to be objective slash diplomatic about Maddie, but Scott is gung-ho on condemning her, just mm-hmm. like their dynamic in the past when Maddie first came back in the 90s. Stupid Scott. He just, he just, 
doesn't even realize that this is largely your fault. That yeah, she, he <laughs> just doesn't want to admit his mistakes. Right. That's the problem. It just, just avoiding the fact that X Factor, the original run, you walked out on your wife and child. And right. there were consequences of that action. You caused her to get very upset and become evil. And then continued to ignore her existence as a person. Right. Eric Hoffman loves Dark Web's start. A good startup with how it covers a bunch of places and people and a good cliffhanger. Also nice to see X-Men together enjoying the sights, such like the old days at the mall. Right? You're getting people yeah. doing getting civilian them being things. Real people for a second. Which we never seem to get much of in the Krakoan era. Right, because they're just not there. They're on Krakoa. Oh, yeah, that was a big one. That was a big so, one. Gets me excited about what's coming next I because next week wait. we have two continuation issues, one of Amazing oh, Spider-Man yes. and one of Dark Web X-Men. So Let's we're go. we're Let's going in go. multiple directions of our story. I love it. On to X-Men Red. X-Men Red. Oh man. Ooh. Look at Brand. The little her little game pieces ripping Think. her little storm in half. Well, yeah. Well, get out of here. Get out of here, Brand. Oh, whoa. Justin said get out of here, Brand. I don't know. I feel very excited by that. I'm I, you know, <laughs> you need a villain. And I'm glad that she is the villain. And I'm glad that she is good at being a villain. But hold your horses. You're not breaking Storm in half. Yeah, get out of here. Are you ready? Yes. Page turn noise. Starting us with a data page. Bring us Vulcan. Oh, this data page. Brand made a plea to have Vulcan resurrected, even if he's unstable. I mean, I wonder why. Do people not know that he was drafted to her X-Men red team? Are, is Storm not giving an update in the council meetings about what's know. going on? I feel on? like this particular data page is older than the story is Yes. Now. Oh, yeah, yeah, for you sure. Know? Well, I don't know, because this resurrection is a result of Vulcan dying against Tarn, right? Mm. So that happened a little bit more. That was right before Judgment Day. So who knows? But he wasn't... Uh, he wasn't drafted to her team yet. He gets resurrected and then drafted. No, he was. He's been drafted to her team since the start of this run. But secretly, I don't sure. think that maybe Storm doesn't know. I think she does because he shows up in that that first instance of the progenitors, not progenitor single, on Arako, leading this X Men team. You know, commanding the rabble mm. of the the arts community of Arako. Well, basically. Uh, Xavier is is saying it doesn't matter what any of you all think. This is what I think, and I have the ability. To I think it's a pretty good idea. Put his mind right, even though I've I never would done it before. Never do anything like that to anyone, even though I probably have already done that to Vulcan and also his brother in relation to him even existing. But it's fine. We'll just pretend I'm not terrible and evil, and I'll just say things like I'll only do it if it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, evil. He's just trying to. He's just trying to do what he thinks is best, and that's a little short sighted because he's not actually doing a good thing. Literally, just talked about Beast doing the same thing, right? And you consider Beast evil right now? Well, yeah, because Beast is doing it to a lot of people, and he does not have. So, a crime is only evil if you do it to a <laughs> lot of people. I mean, it makes it a lot more evil, and at least. Xavier has somewhat positive intentions. It's just he said he's. Xavier is just a freaking liar. All right, let's get into it. <laughs> he doesn't want to argue with me about this. The Summer Brothers are 
also questioning Xavier. Mm-hmm. Alex isn't into it, but we need those powerhouses. Then that's the argument. This point of, well, Emma's usually the person that brings me back, not Jean. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to dissect I'm not going to. We're not going to unpack that right now. Right. There's a question. Is is Vulcan pulling a Kate? Is he having an issue coming out of the egg? So <laughs> Xavier goes to kickstart him. And then is Vulcan rips the mind from Xavier. That's my mind. That's mine. I, I don't understand how he's able to do that, but nope. I'm here for it. I Let's didn't go. Know he had any sort of like mm. telepower. No, it's I, I think they're just chalking it up to energy manipulator at an omega level. Is his mm. mind currently energy or data or or something? So I don't know. But they're just going with it. And we get this epic blow through the egg, fire everywhere. Yes, it's happening now. It's happening now. The fire of Vulcan. This one. There's so many like single character pages in this issue mm. that are like, oh, yeah. Epic and beautiful. Right. And our three main players mm-hmm. right? starting us off with Vulcan. Starting us off and kicking us to a to a title page. It's happening now. Return of the King, written by Al Ewing, art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Federico Blee, letters and production, Ariana Maher. VCs, Ariana Maher. The cover team, the dynamic Russell Dodderman and Matt Wilson. Love it. Here for it. As we catch up with our diplomatic zone. Oh, man. Oh, the square off. All the, the personalities picking up from last issue. The sass of of Deathbird to Vulcan. Listen, don't don't you sass me, okay? I'm over you. Our kid is somewhere safe. Yeah, leave me be. So much confidence being thrown back and forth. It's your royal niece, Mister mm-hmm. Summers. Uh, Mister Summers is my father's name. I'm, I'm Emperor, Emperor Vulcan. Vulcan. Yeah, who who thought this was a good idea? There's so much political unrest going on in the Shi'ar, and you're gonna resurrect this guy that was a tyrant. Who who's making these decisions? Why are you allowing this? Well, who can 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 anybody read that data page from the beginning? Like, does anybody yeah, have does anybody the proof? No, that it was Brand trying to puppet this. Well, Nova we, is highly unhappy. That's what we know. At least we know someone is suspicious of it, mm-hmm. and that's what gives them the upper hand. But yeah, Nova is the last good cowboy of the space empire. And he's standing up as Gladiator falls. Yo, Vulcan is just like, okay, y'all want to challenge me? Watch this. Watch as I take you all down slowly in different ways. I take down your Shi'ar Superman by eliminating the energy in his brain that powers his confidence. And just, just drain him to nothing. He's out. And everyone... On to the next. Everyone goes for him. Nova attacking him and having the Nova Force ripped from him. Yeah. Oh, God. Frenzy pleading for Brand's help as she attacks Vulcan to deaf ears as she Brand watches on from Sword Station 2. Brand does not care. She's just watching. She's got her inside man, Mentalo, and they're just laughing about how Frenzy could have been a part of our inner team. She could have been, but she's not. 
but she cares too much about these suckers. Well, someone has to. Someone has to care enough to be the bad guy, to give them someone to fight against or a power to manipulate from the shadows. Yes, it's a very twisted, you know, it's very beast energy. It's very, yeah, I have to be this, I have to be the bastard. You need the bastard. Right. Get out of here. No, we don't. You don't. Onto the world farm. Taki is just trying to get a read on what's going on with our other friends. This is a great primer into the story that we left at the world farm because he's now being thrown away with these. I think these are other progenitor type creatures that we've seen in that issue of X-Men Red a couple of to- uh, months mm-hmm. ago. As we come into the base and see Orbis Stellaris, a.k.a. Space Sinister. I love this whole sequence where Cable's like, Thunderbird, Zen, I need him off balance. Tendons? Tendons? Tendons. Tendons. And they just go for the Achilles. Shink, shink. Yeah. Ah. Well, I just, I love them as kind of compliments to each other on this Mm. space fighting team. Yeah, it's awesome. And also interesting information that this body is connected somehow to Orbis. They feel the pain. They feel the pain and even more intel as Orbis lets his little friends go, the heralds on the yeah, wall. They are the, scary. The people that had manipulated Vulcan in his shell previously. And they just oh, they God. just take Manifold's whole being. His, they're just they're just his sp- Ability to sucking it out of him or exploding the universe from inside of him, right? That's how Manifold's power works is the fact that he's able to communicate with the universe. So, can that be manipulated by someone that seemingly has the ability to tap into your power? Mm. I've been reading Secret Warriors Mm. off just randomly. Uh, (laughs) I I got a Quake Marvel Legends figure and I was like, oh, I kind of want to read. Their first appearance, oh yeah, which was Secret Warriors, and also Manifold's first appearance. Oh, interesting. And he was drafted to that Secret Warrior team as their teleporter slash speaker to the universe. This issue just is nonstop as we're back. It's nonstop action, but there's so much going on between right. the characters. We're right, back the, to this fight with Vulcan because we gotta keep it going. And I feel like that's where X Men Red succeeds so well is that it's balancing these character moments with this big story mm-hmm. constantly. It's giving you the characters in those moments, right? Yeah. It's not just showing you the fight, but it's showing you how the characters are actually dealing and developing and how these. These instances of combat or trauma or whatever are are changing them. Right. What what this means to Frenzy and how this impacts her relationship to Brand and the, the Secret Alliance. What this is to Nova to want to stand up for this. What this is to the conflict of Deathbird and Vulcan as he just goes off on Lalandra, lighting her up and... Mentalo can't watch, doesn't want to watch. Mm-mm. Brand says, no, 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 no. You have to watch. We have to. As, uh, oh, no. Oh, no. We were talking last issue of like, how many layers does Brand know? Right. Where do we get the turn on her? And here it is. Ooh. As we get our second splash page <sighs> single character shot. Look at him. I used to hate him, but now I love him. Yeah. The, a turn that happened for a couple of people as we get this new Berto revealed. This Berto that has been in place of 
Xandra mm-hmm. having a Shi'ar image inducer, giving us the image that was teased years ago as a variant cover of House of oh, X, Powers of Ten of him sitting Roberto on sitting throne. on the throne, right? With all of everyone around him. That's crazy. And the data page remarks to brand secret plans. Well, I'm Roberto DaCosta and you're not, so stop reading my secret files. I it's funny, y'all. So I was sitting near Justin as I was reading this issue and I got so excited by that one page of Berto. And then he was like, You're gonna read the next bit data page and it's gonna be all the things you don't like about Berto. And here's a thing that's has no explanation at all. It's shifted. No valid explanation. But now that I'm team Berto, I don't care. For like his arrogance doesn't bother me as much, right? You know, it's more like fun and playful, and there's because no, you care about the character, yeah, exactly. And it, it doesn't you can you can come at me and say that it makes no sense why I well, used to be mad at it and now I'm not. Well, but. it's because before it was just this, right? This was all you knew about Birdo, right? Right, but there's so much more to his character that is especially under Al Ewing and what he brings to the character as this sneaky, intelligent, mm-hmm. playing a longer game, but using his arrogance and his business acumen as his superpowers in addition to being Sunspot. Right. Do I still think he's arrogant and sometimes I want to be like, shut up. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. also I love what he's doing. To be able to predict the moves that Brand is making, mm-hmm. this the fact that she wants to incite a war and create instability between, well, how do I how do I do this? I'm going to then actual joke joke plan right to be the person in the chair to to safeguard Xandra. Mhm. As we get our egos battling Vulcan has no interest in this. This, this callback to issue one at the top of their interaction of t- stealing fire, taking fire. Mm-hmm. And I love that, you know, once Vulcan decides he's out, he's got to go somewhere else. Deathbird's like, you know, like he would have taken you down. And Birdo's like, yeah, I know. But if I puff up my chest enough. Yeah, right. Then I make him question it Peacocking. a little bit. <laughs> Cut to... Vulcan's Vulcan's on a mission and and he doesn't care what Brand has to say about right. whether or not it's a good idea. He is not your man, Brand. You have introduced an unstable force and he is playing into a seemingly long game plan of our brotherhood of Iraqi or our, our brotherhood of mutants. Right. He's here. He's going to he thinks he's found where Xandra actually is. Likely has, though. Mm. She's likely somewhere still here, but just protected by the one, the only storm. Sorry, I kept you waiting. Take (laughs) him down, storm. In my mind, I was like, all right, I have to post this page with the episode drop. (laughs) That's like three or four days later. (laughs) Sorry, we kept you waiting. Oh, my God. I love it. Welcome to the new age. Our next issue tease. I just it's curious. You have to say it. You have to say it with the right cadence, Justin. Welcome, Welcome to the new age. It's a song, radioactive. Oh. Welcome to the new age. Yeah. To the new age. Sure. Yeah. You have to say it. I don't like have that. to do anything. Yeah, you have to. That's how I said this, it in my head. This cover is a mirror to our issue one cover of the lineup I and how it's it. changed. I can't wait. It also makes me question, okay, this is likely going to be our last issue before Sins of Sinister, so right? This, this will come is out. This the Brotherhood? And and what happens to 
X-Men Red after Sins of Sinister. Don't we don't know. know. It better come back in some way because this is like the best book. Or does it reform into something else? I don't know. Because X-Men Red, big picture, is the title for Brand's team. Mm. Storms, Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants, that's the title that we've been essentially oh, following on the other gosh. side. We don't know. What's we on the other know. side? What's in the fall of X? You know? Don't, don't. Okay. But right. Live in the moment. Live in the, the moment. glory of what is happening right now. Well, big picture. What do you think about this? It's fantastic. I love it. I get so excited to read it. I'm never disappointed. I like make noises. Like I cheer people on. I sh- I'm shocked. I'm excited. I just, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's just so exciting. Yes. And this most comics read well as a run mm. this reads so well as a run it's great it just hypes up again and again this tied into judgment day so seamlessly mm-hmm. such a way that like was narratively satisfying to it as a title yeah. but also added a lot of context to the event as a whole yeah it's just it's a thrilling twisting juicy storyline that i am always ready for always wanting every time i finish an issue of x-men red i'm like yo let's go next one i love it yeah yeah big time it's it's hard because it is i think my favorite title Mm -hmm. i'm just very excited about sins of sinister yes and i feel like the next issue of immortal x-men that we'll talk about delivered on a lot of things but in terms of like character stories x-men red is the king yeah i just like these are the things that get me so like hyped up right x-men red immortal x-men sins of sinister dark web like these are stories that i'm like hyped ready to read super excited to talk about just like i wait it makes me wait for the next one i just yeah i love it warlion says x-men red is so dope my only fear is that storm will win in the next issue because of her plot armor that she's had since Dawn of X. Power-wise, she can win, but will it just be the same way? He compares it to how Jean defeated Nightmare in X-Men number four by just smacking him away. Mm. That's not the way to beat Emperor Vulcan, especially after he's shown how he easily defeated the Shi'ar Superman and freaking Nova Prime. I Here's the thing. I would like to see Storm tap into not only her actual physical power but her mental power like i would like her to in this battle have a like a an emotional mental connection where she really taps into this idea that we've been talking about with vulcan with his his need for some sort of emotional mental connection breakdown understanding of what's going on with him to to have him recognize that there's another way for him, right? Yep. That he's been manipulated to have that be the next thing. Because I don't think he needs to be completely destroyed. I think he just needs to recognize that he's been puppeted and forced into this other version of himself because that's what Bran did to him. Well, that's what Bran did to him. That's what these puppets of... Right. Orbis Stellaris did to mm-hmm. him. They've been creating this explosion building over time. Like in a way, he's kind of been in a in a Weapon X state. Sure. And I would love for Storm to sort of 
fight him and take him down from that and and not necessarily just be like, boop, you're dead. I fixed it. Yeah. There's a couple of things that makes me think of. It's the fact that obviously Storm is not going to die here. No. Right. We have Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants coming out of this. And also she doesn't have a backup. Right. right. So They're she not going to die gonna... because they can't do, you can't do that to Storm and Magneto. So yes, plot armor, I agree. But the fact that Vulcan is incredibly unstable. Yes, mm-hmm. he has his powers completely unlocked, but he's incredibly mentally unstable right. right now. He is angry. He is furious. He's on a mission and he's playing into their design. Mm-hmm. Right. They were ready for this. Storm isn't just hanging out here by herself. The rest right. of the team, like Fisher King is going to show up. Wrong slide is going to show up. Oh there's God, a there's a plan. Go. There's a right. trap that Vulcan right. is walking into right, right now. They they have been preparing for this. He just doesn't. He thinks he's just unstoppable and it doesn't matter. But even Brand was like, this is not a good idea. Like, no. You're going off the rails. You're and going into a trap. Clearly th- there's more here than we knew. So. Yeah. Eric is excited about the next X-Men Red. Storm is going to beat down another Summers, and she did it before with no powers in the Uncanny X-Men 201, mm-hmm. right? Storm versus Cyclops. House of Rhetorica loves British people writing mutants. <laughs> Here for it. X-Men Red and Immortal X-Men. Oh, like, yeah. Legion of X. They, they, it's like the Brits teamed up and are making Sins of Sinister come to life. I can't. I just, I'm so excited about it all. Veda Reno is speaking your language specifically. He never liked Birdo most much mm. because of him being so full of himself, but he's loving what's being done here in red. Such yeah. a good twist. Yeah. The only person not accounted for is Fisher King. How do we think he'll play into this? It'd be excellent if he was the one to bring Vulcan down. I don't think Vulcan's ego could handle it. Right. That would be really cool. I'm Yes. Okay. So I totally agree with being excited about what is in store for Fisher King and where that goes because he's been he's been building up to right. something and we know he's got something that is is his, his you know gift. his secret sauce, right? right? That's that's got to be revealed. And I think the thing with Birdo is that it is showing that he isn't as self-centered as he appeared to be. And that's the thing that makes me like him, right? Like I like someone who's secretly fighting for everyone else. And when he showed up and was like, yo, what up? I'm on the, I'm on the secret seats. I'm in the secret seats of the council. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, the other side of that, Warline's concerned if, his ego, his his overconfidence is going to be his downfall. The fact that like he he thinks that he can stand up to Vulcan and is egging him on. Is he going to show up at this final battle? It could be. And I think that in a downfall it would be like a like a very heroic death situation sure. where he like thinks he can do something and sacrifices himself. But also I think that he knew like he knew when Deathbird was like, you know he would have taken you down. He was yeah. like, I know. Yeah. And I think he's okay, right? Like, he didn't give up his resurrection protocols. Right. So and he's he, willing to just throw himself in there. And, he's fanning the fire. Right. He's like, I gotta, I'm, I have a role to play in this team. And if that means that my role causes me to die, that's okay. That's okay. I'll come back. Yeah. X reads the podcast calling out Roberto da Costa. That is all. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. The positive fan says, X-Men Red was amazing. It's incredible how well Al Ewing writes every character. It's really true. It's it's just the the care the the care to tend to character stories. It's the the space opera. It's the 
Uh, yeah. This it's, is, yeah. It's really a wonderful thing when a writer can understand the different perspectives of so many characters and, and do such a great job of weaving. I mean, that's what makes you a great writer, right? Weaving them together and, and just, it's like a symphony. It's like an orchestra. It's like you're, you're conducting magic. Speaking of conducting, Mr. Sinister. Mr. Sinister. Who kind of takes the spotlight from Kate in this issue that is her narrative. No, I don't think so. You don't think so? Good. Well, we have a couple of people that do, and, and you know, I'm mixed. But let's talk about that cover first. I would, okay. We'll talk about the cover, but I, I want to say something about that, the different narratives of Immortal X-Men, right? And I'm, I'm just going to say it now. Go for it. I think that... We as a collective need to shift our thought about how what these narratives are, because from the very first issue of Immortal X-Men, it's been about Sinister. It's been about Sinister. And Destiny. Right. It's about this story. It's about Sinister. So though each issue has the I think instead of thinking about each issue as a highlight of the individual members of the council, I think each issue is about the perspective of Sinister and what's going from on right. these different viewpoints. Yep. So it's not about yes some of them gave us deeper insight into each of Exodus, those characters, Shaw. but I think that what it's really about is how each of these characters sees sinister and how each of these issues is highlighting what sinister is doing through the eyes of those characters. So it's using the individual council members as the narrator or the storyteller, but that the, but the issue story isn't itself. about them. Right. The issue is about what's happening here with Sinister because this is leading us to Sins of Sinister. Which which is interesting because it's a back and forth. I was talking with Comic Extracts about how it, it this feels like a hype train leading us to Sins of Sinister, mm-hmm. which is that a bad thing? Is no, that no I don't I, think so. I think that that is a great narrative segue into an event of sorts is that we have this whole thing that's been building to an event, right? You have Sinister having been the manipulator in the background. He has this great, the Moira resurrection machine. Right. And even some of the other event issues. Like I felt similarly to how I was feeling a little bit at the end of this to the Hellfire Gala issue and Emma essentially being sidelined to that issue to be about Sinister. Right. And, and his plots and plans that have been brewing in the background. But that's been the whole... That's it the whole time. Right. And it made me... Just the conversation with Daniel made me want to reread Immortal mm-hmm. X-Men. And obviously, I'll take any excuse to it. Uh, to reread I, something? Yeah. I almost bought the trade that came out this week because, oh, man, that'd be cool to just have it all in one physical book. Yeah. I bought Inferno this week because... I was like, because yeah, you, know, you got it. I'm going to have the trade. Sometimes. The trades are on display. The comics are in... Uh, in their safely kept little boxes. Right. I have 10 of swords and that's just fun to flip so through. So you can have all of those trades like out and then you can just boop, pop it off the shelf to reread it. I'm glad that through. you, I'm glad that you allow and or just encourage, e- encourage <laughs> give me more reason as to why. Anyway, let's get into let's this t- issue. Okay. So the cover is, I love it. I love it. I love the, I like us looking at Sinister from Kate's perspective. Right. Right. I really love that layout. Sinister looks especially evil. Love the double swords. I, yeah, and I like that, you know, we're seeing, oh, Kate's so small and Sinister's so big, but she's not afraid of him. She's also standing up, right? Yeah. Here we go. Page turn noise. 
We get into her council reads. I just would like to say before we get into it, I'm really loving this interpretation that Lucas has taken. He's taking all the things that I really love about Kate's look and he's amplifying it, right? Like the boots and we're going to tuck the in the shirt. We're going to take the the curly hair and the ponytail and combine them. We're going to give her like black lipstick. We're going to make her collar extra popped. I just have to... Mm, I love it. I'm here mm. for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're not talking about Xavier's boyfriend having died. We're not no. talking about Kurt's horns. We're not talking about the brain bits that are going to soon be in her curls. Right. We're just getting an update as to what's going on around the table. Arako and what's going on with Storm. Shaw day drinking. I love it. Exodus is one sticking point of the fact that uh, I am unhappy with this abomination that we are sharing our resurrection. I did go back and read Immortal X-Men recently, so mm-hmm. maybe I don't need to right away. But the fact that it makes me want to, this the Phoenix Foundation came out of the council. Ah. So we were talking about like who gave the green light to do that. That was an idea that was then bartered and, and brought to that was like Shaw working with uh, Star Fox, uh, Eros. Oh, right. right. That was what they presented to something that all came through Judgment Day. It was just only referenced slightly in a couple so of pages. So it was easy to kind of forget that that was being built. Yeah. And I, I like this kind of conversation of, of just saying, listen, here's the thing. We need to have this Phoenix Foundation. Here's all the things. And Hope being like, didn't, you know, oh, gosh. didn't JC, wasn't he all about sharing his miracles? Like, yeah. come on. I, I just love it because it gives us a really great point of view for Kate. Mm-hmm. Right? The, these are her character moments. Having this read on everyone, knowing how to essentially play this council to what it is that they want. She knows these people. She's known these people for years, for mm-hmm. her whole life, essentially. Yeah. But yeah, the the religious clapback from Hope and just the laughter about Exodus. Like, I didn't tell you about my religion so you could use it against me. Yeah. Love and, it. and her optimism. She's like, oh, you know, we're all terrible or we're good or we're angels and demons and everything in between. But maybe it could work. Maybe it's not the worst. Right. And then the worst. And then I can't. This issue is just. It's so good. It's, it's so, so good. It's so it's funny. So fun. It's so like just the sass from Emma and the, the stasis conversation mm. of what could be or could be, could not be. Oh, did you get judged? Well, what about Dr. Stasis? All the things. As as if we haven't had evil versions of ourselves right. running around trying to ruin our good name. And then the best part, the spiral of the best part of the issue, Nathaniel's about to kill Hope. What? You spoil sport. You cackled. like You laughed, laughed so hard so when you were reading that. I loved it. Because he's so, he's so upset he's so frustrated about sinister is like he just he's he's not he doesn't filter anything he says it's just what's in his brain he says it out loud and he just wants to let he wants everyone to just let him be himself right he has this this confidence this manipulating things but he keeps on getting taken down as he's trying to do it and here's the thing i love the 
structure of this issue because what we're about to get now is we've seen version one we've seen him come in he he made his attempt to kill the council and everyone's like what the heck just happened boom what's going on this essentially gives us our our house of x callback our, mm-hmm. our 10 lives of moira because as we find on the title page it's not a phase it's forever part nine the 10 lives of moira six so Oh, give us those credits. Written by Karen Gillan, art by Lucas Wernock, colors by David Curiel, letters by Clayton Coles. BC's Clayton Coles. And production by Clayton Coles, which is sneakily mm-hmm. below. BC's Cover by Mark <laughs> Yes. Okay. So we're popping in to... <laughs> Well, we got we first we've got Destiny Sinister Sassafras Extravaganza. Right, this is just to to let us know who the main characters of this story are. Mm-hmm. It is very much so a tit-a-tat of Destiny versus Sinister. And, and I'm I love it. Did did Stasis get judged? I wonder. Oh, I wonder. Burn. So then we go into Sinister's lab where he's angsty angsty and he's trying to figure out a plan and that's what I love so much about this sinister is the arguments with himself, the yeah. conversations with his little animal chimera friends that he's made, yeah. his decision to basically get 10 chances to take the whole council out because right. he doesn't want to reset to Judgment Day because he doesn't want to live through that again. Because at the same time, we're learning even more about the limitations of this Moira machine, mm-hmm. right? So he should be able to... Pure science says that I should be able to have as many clones as I want, but for some reason, I can only make likely... 10 versions of Moira and each one can only have 10 iterations because that's just the limit that Moira herself was given. Right. Maybe an 11 if you do something right or you make Maybe the right decision. crazy. Right. And that, that at least because if he had unlimited tries, what's the point? He could just right. keep on doing anything that he wants. Yeah. He- I like, I like that limitation. It's a cool story construct too, right? Like it makes it so the story has to have, it has to fit within some sort of box. It yeah. can't just be limitless. Psycat, take notes. Snow. No. <laughs> Professor Plod. <laughs> As you wish. I love it. Uh, all right. Save point has been restored. Let's get our info. Oh, there's no info. Going in blind. So this then leads us into to the first the first of what happens. Scene, you right. spoil sports. Right. We get it again. The death of Moira 6.1. The first of version of this data page. Today's murders. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's just the detail of daily murder agenda list we're in the top right corner. We're top basically corner. seeing the uh the notes in which Sinister leaves for himself right. for every time he is reset. It's interesting because in how Omega Red was able to find Beast's secret door, mm. can they, you know, it might be different because Sinister's taken that extra step of only being able to have a Sinister go through his gate, right? It's keyed mm-hmm. to his genes. I don't think Beast is at that level. So we're get we're getting... All the versions, all the times Destiny or someone else is getting in the way right. of Sinister's plot. Right. The boom, boom, bomb does what it's supposed to, but Destiny gave him a heads up. How I- many times can Sinister kill himself and how many of the council can he take out in each version? Because he, he's got some good 
goes. He's got some bad goes. Right. And this is where the fun of this issue comes from. It's iterative, right? So right. we're just, we're going to get another try. Okay. Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Let me bring in this suit. Okay. Well, Hope's going to use Storm's power. So I'm going to do something to avoid that. Oh, well, now Storm's going to use her own power. And it's just, it speaks to his quote unquote power of science and testing and getting the results, right? Even similar mm-hmm. to what Destiny had said to. Moira, back at the beginning, like you're a scientist, you test it out, you experiment, you see what happens, right. you try different things. Experiments, well, right? data so, points. Right? So he gets to do, he gets 100 test points where Moira only had 10. Right. And I like, it's it's just fun for us as readers too to see the different ways the council would handle this, right? We've got... We've got Storm using your powers. We've got Nightcrawler bamfing around. We've got Hope borrowing powers. We've got Emma in diamond form. We've got giant sinister octopus creatures coming in. You know, like everybody. The frustrated sounds of these animals and, and monsters as they're defeated. Yes. Everybody's getting a chance. And then we get another just wonderful data page of Sinister's frustrations, his silly little doodles of himself. This gave me Deadpool issue one vibes. Yes, where I he's love drawing it. all over it. I like the zero out of ten, I've killed myself nine times. Yes, yes. Oh God. It's just funny. Murdering is hard. Sad face. You know, there's no hope without hope. Yeah. As we get ready for our last attempt. And and whoa, Dark Beast's head is just floating here as Sinister plays with his action figures. I love it. And he's like, ah, no, not you, Dark Beast. You're not even the darkest beast anymore. Which I feel like, so everybody has been wondering, mm-hmm. is Beast just Dark Beast? And this tells you no. in an offhand, no, Dark Beast is in play. His head is in a jar under Sinister's control and... Sorry, that's that's the Hank that you know or you knew, and he's been changed and is devolving even further. I also like this nod of the psy cat chewing on yeah on Sebastian yeah, <laughs> and Sinister's just like collapsing. Like I don't know what to do. Who knew? Tell me what to do. Who knew that Sinister was such a great customizer of action figures? Right. I want this council set up. Yeah. Can we get it? But. Listen, he's got this other idea. He's going to come in and he's going to essentially he's using some inspiration from the Eternals here. Right. Right. From well, Judgment Day. Right. And a couple of other strings pulled as he distracts Storm. Mm-hmm. You know, something has happened on Arako that's calling her out of the council room. OK, so that takes one off the board. I assume that he is the one that brought or gave these cocktails to Shaw, th- mm. this idea that they're all now distracted and having this different feeling. It's it's changed the tenor of the room. Right. He's like, lear- he's learning from every he's iteration, a right? He's, he's an Englishman. He's an Englishman and a scientist. And he's he's going to continue to take you all down. And his, his floating eye beam demons are coming in right well before that the the brain bomb that you were talking about Mm -hmm. it freezes all of the telepaths only for a second but in that second causes a trigger a telekinetic pulse to be done that obliterates the people who are frozen Mm -hmm. everybody else dives for safety hope who is mimicking exodus's powers they're both indestructible so they're fine for now for now 
because that's only one part of this multi-layered plan, right? You have the eyeballs flying in that can shoot Cyclops beams. You yes. have this ridiculous combination of Gambit and Harry Leland's powers mm-hmm. of charging matter and expanding matter done in like a slap in the face communion wafer mm-hmm. to give to Exodus to explode him from the inside. And now hope. Ooh, oh, you, you don't have this indestructible power anymore because there is no more indestructible man. As he takes a bullet infused with Unus's power creating this force field that explodes you from the inside. It's crazy. It's crazy. And and listen. Who thinks of things like this? Only sinister. Supervillains. Supervillains. Love it. And, uh, you know, now that the team is ready, that the remaining council members are, are here for it. And I like, how does Kate know? Don't worry. I know what's going on. Well... I think it's because she know she recognizes the villain mm. in the room, right? She's the one that's narrating the fact that all of these decisions, all of these things that he's built up in this planning, this is because he's gone off the deep end. What well, she knows is that someone's going to win Shaw's pool. What she knows is that what was referenced at the beginning of the issue, they have a betting pool of when Sinister is going to turn on the council. That's what's happening. He's well, turned. What I think is interesting is in every iteration up until this point, at the end of it, she's like, what's she going says, on? what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And now she's like, no, I know what's going well, it's on. It's because he played his hand so much more firmly mm. in this life, which allowed him to succeed. And the fact that he succeeds, he also exposes himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, he, he's trying to do something and he's coming for all of us. Right. And this remaining roster of who's left and who's going to do yeah, something. I mean, I know it's not a drop-in shot, but this is my drop-in shot of the sure. week. <laughs> and I here, like, I know that it's time travel and it doesn't matter, but like, I really wonder how does Marauders fit into this? Like, how is this happening? But Kate is also lost back in time somewhere. Unexplainable. It's different issues, different stories happening at different times. I don't care because this is the Kate for me. This is this is the Kate issue. You know, it's it's sad. Well, it's interesting. This was a Kate week, mm-hmm. right? We had her in Extreme X-Men doing some classic. <laughs> we had her not really in Marauders, but right. still there with the team that she's supposedly leading. And then we have her taking somewhat of a center role in this issue in that she's reacting to the council and also trying to figure out what's going on. Yes. Hated and Feared is our next issue with Charles Ooh, Xavier on the cover. God. Hopefully getting some insight into what he's thinking about this new shift in the who who are the people behind Krakoa. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? Big picture. I can't. I loved it. It was amazing. I thought it was fun. It was witty. It it really gets us revved up for what's happening next with Sinister, where things are going. It's it's making a big change in the council dynamic. It's, well, it's the fear of Hope being dead, too. Right. It's right? like, what do we do without Hope? And the the five are going to suffer. And how do we bring people back? Like, it's it was an amazing issue to really start. Because Immortal X-Men is 12 issues, correct? Immortal X-Men will... He had so Kieran had 
plans for 12. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that it's going to be done after 12. But this arc of this this arc of, and it will be interrupted by the sins of Sinister. So 11 and 12 aren't happening until the other side of Sins of Sinister. Oh, interesting. So issue nine and issue 10 are billed as preludes to Sins of Sinister in that they're leading us more directly to that story. Yeah, so that's, that's I think, what makes it so exciting is like you see this catapulting in this other direction. Like it's it's going. Yeah. And that's that's wonderful. Yeah, I feel like this is delivering on what started this title, mm-hmm. what started this series, and is really exciting about the event that's coming up. You know, we're, we're talking about event fatigue. We're talking about Dark Web, but we're excited about it. Yeah, I We're don't... talking about uh, the Captain Marvel crossover, but that's like a mini event. You know, yeah. Not even really an event. It's more just like a, a kind of crossover. Kind of crossover. I, I feel excited about Dark Web, and I feel excited about Sins of Sinister, so... Dark Web is a Spider-Man event. Sins of Sinister is an X-Men event. I think I've I've washed myself of AXE and, and I'm okay. Yeah. You let it go. I've, I've let it go. I've moved on. New things are happening. Rem Springer. Calling it out. Sinister will make a Chimoira. And oh my, oh my God. Remy, you've caught my attention in so many different ways. The wordplay. The the excitement of what is to come. Of, mm. you know, can does it make a different person can i get more tries if i mix it with someone else like in the preview that there was like a moira cable kind of chimera oh i think that that's robot moira oh i think that that's orcus moira from the trailer that we posted on instagram got it yeah warline does anyone think that dark beast is important going forward or was that just gillen saying that evil krakoan beast isn't dark beast and i think it's the second part yeah i, I think, think it's so. like oh there's this independent evil that's been permeating throughout right i know y'all think that he's dark beast but he's darker than dark beast right but he also wonders has immortal x-men lost its luster by focusing everything on sinister and tying into axe and i don't know like I, that's part of the conversation that we've been talking about from the beginning part of the conversation that i had with comic extracts of like what's the focus of this t- series and i feel like it's always been about sinister and yes. leading to this big endpoint and i think the the energy that we had like the Nightcrawler issue was one of my favorite issues mm-hmm. of this run. So I don't think that we lost anything. I feel like, you know, you're going to lose some momentum and it's going to be pulled into a direction because of a crossover, because of an event. But this has always been the guiding North Star of this title, as it seems. Like this has been seeded since the start. You're a ghost. You're a ghost. Mm-hmm. Like the the destiny issue being the the manipulation. Like it was Sinister's plan to put hope on the council. Mm-hmm. I think that it's what happened is that as readers as a collective we made an assumption about what immortal x-men would be because we had the sins of sinister we had i mean sorry we had the sinister secrets we had all of that stuff like listed out and we saw this idea and this potential for the perspectives of all the other threads and stories and every issue being for something else but i think this was always the plan so i think in a way we did this to ourselves in in making it like a quote unquote disappointment or a shift from what we thought it would be. But that's not what it was from the beginning. I think right. this is very clearly has always been this story, this underlying sinister thread that has been plotting to lead us up to Sins of Sinister. Yeah. Sketchy X-Men Legends. Oh, sinister. Mm-hmm. 
Wiseguy7317.01 is confused by the sinister stuff. Was it back to back or separate timelines? This iterative, you know, these collapsing realities. It's new science. It's new science fiction, right? Yeah, I think it's it's it just it's a save point in a video game. He just right. keeps going back and it's happening over and over again. It's the same timeline. Right. So it's it's just creating new iterations that he is the only one learning something mm -hmm. from. It's kind of like Tempo, right? Tempo said like she always remembers right. the time travel. She remembers all of it, but everyone else gets reset. I think that's what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Eric Hoffman finally getting to see what all the Moira clones are for and in use of. But does Kate know what's up? She seems to. Mm. That's to your point, That's right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. like I th And I think, too, the, the wordplay of the title page, it's not a phase, feels like it's forever. It's it feels like somehow Kate is is tapping into. I have no idea how that makes any sense, but it just the word phase and the fact that Kate is the narrator the 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 central point of this issue the the linchpin of this issue and that she keeps saying what's going on what's going on what's going on and then ends with i know what's going on i, mm -hmm. I think there's something more to it than just her being like oh sinister's a bad guy yeah blonde china called out velocidad as the serum to speed up moira and also mentioning the the darkest beast mm -hmm. conversation and Wants to know who's going to take Sinister's spot on the council. Who's going to take Xavier's spot on the council? I don't. I think Fall of X is leading to the, the fall council of is council. not a yeah, thing yeah, yeah, anymore. Right, right. I don't think anyone's taking those spots. I think the council is going to be dissolved, and we, there's going to be. Remember how many we were the reign of ten. You know, right. like I don't think they're going to move that quickly on that, but maybe. Yeah. Vaderino, Destiny keeps manipulating Sinister, and I love it. Understand that Destiny saw that the our little conversation would push him in every timeline to not reset pre-judgment day. Mm. That said, what he did end up doing to attack the council was very clever and appreciated, especially the gore. Oof. Only minor gripe is this was supposed to be a Kate issue, and it, well, wasn't. Not really. And I think that that's, you know, part of that conversation that we're having of what it means to be a Kate issue versus Kate's perspective on the overall story yes, yes. of this. Coach Bryant B, Immortal X-Men, incredible. Toy Shelf, Immortal was so good. Yeah. And it was. It, it was. was. Oh, such a great stacked week of comics. What's coming next week? I don't know. Tell me. We've got Legion of X number eight mm -hmm. getting into our monsterified. What's happening in there? Deadpool number two. Yes. And a double dose of Dark Web. Amazing Spider-Man number 15 and Dark Web X-Men number one. Yee, I can't wait. I love it. Oh, it's just It was so much. And yes. I, I feel like I want to reread a number of them. And <laughs> I just. It was so much. It was so great. It was so fun. I'm so pumped. I love comics. I love everything. Yes. Yay. Until next time, old friend. Charles. Oh, Charles. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>